is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. What are you talking about? No, it's not him. There's only one more. There is only one more. There is, that's it. One more. Get no! They saw your team put up zero effort. Wake up! Remember in the old days they used to have oxygen for them. Where's the oxygen? They play like absolute just garbage. <laughs> this is the Sports Loud Mouth. Yay! Man, can you keep it down? I'm trying to introduce here. With Errol Marks and Speedy Beatty. You're not even a has-been. You're a never-was. You're a never January 10th, ladies and gentlemen, for a new show of the sports, Loudmouth. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week, including the Loudmouth with me and Speedy Petey. All you have to do to check in and check out all our local listings is you go to our website at www dot worldwide sports radio dot com and you can call us as always we have the phone lines open for all you crazy fans out there you can call us at 631-672-3108 speeder what's up man well i didn't get to do this yesterday because we got sidetracked by some random distraction in the beginning of your uh your craziness but i'd like to give a shout out to my birthday my, oh, my brother me for all my this. brother yeah you were distra- you were bringing up something at the beginning of the show but it was very interesting i probably was but nevertheless i want to give a birthday shout out to my brother Aiden who turned 21 yesterday enjoyed his first legal beer I mean, he's plenty of other beer in the past but legal beer and it had so you're a- telling me he's a felon allegedly he's a felon so you have three felons for brothers yes I'm sure 75% of the people listening I'm just saying they're felons underage drink but whatever nevertheless well, Kenny Rayner why doesn't he hang out with Kenny Rayner I'm sure Kenny drank underage too well, <laughs> Kenny-, Kenny has drank smoked and done everything sure. underage but nevertheless we happy birthday to brother Aiden well congratulations and happy birthday to Aiden. Aiden 21 years old he's right there with you Speedy finally you can throw up when you go out when you drink I mean, you're legalized to go out and throw up every single time you drink like you do. It's great. It's wonderful. You like that? What? I had figured. Anyways, we have a great show lined up for you guys. A little bit later in the show at 8.30, we'll be talking to CBS Sports editorial director Adam Silverstein. This is the first time Adam has been no, on the show. No, it's the second time he was on our show. He was on uh, at the end of the college football I season last year. Yeah. Uh, he was a college football guy, NFL, and uh, he's now a Yankee. He's in, now he's a director. Yeah, uh, no, he was a director then, I believe, too. But uh, he is—he so. is a Yankee fan, and you had an argument with him about Brian Cashman. Mm, I've had a lot of arguments okay. about Brian Cashman. But, yeah, with mostly a lot of co- mostly college football guy, and then NFL as well. Oh man, oh, this will be fun. Nick Saban announces retirement. Pete Carroll steps down as the Seahawks head coach and will serve as a team advisor. So two coaches, two great coaches. One wins the Super Bowl. The other one. Wasn't too long in the NFL, but one of the greatest college coaches, if not the greatest college coach of all time. So we will get into that. Bears officially say that they will keep Matt Eberflus as head coach and fire offensive coordinator Luke Getze. So he's gone. Gone and done. Uh, Kawhi Leonard signs a three-year, $152.4 million extension with the Clippers. So if all you Clipper fans are excited for signing Kawhi Leonard, you should be because he's the only good player you have over there. 
I mean, seriously, you have an old Paul George that barely can walk on one leg. You have the other two idiots. You have James Harden, who can't shave or doesn't want to shave that beard off or hangs out with all the other Kardashians. Who's next? What's the other Kardashian he's going to hang out with? And then you have Russell, a.k.a. Crazy Westbrook, all over the place as well. So he's jumping for joy because he just got an extension as well. Yeah, and they also have the great Tyron Lue. <laughs> That's true, too. Uh, Heat give... Eric Spolstra, an eight-year, $120 million contract extension, which would make him the most money for any coach in North American sports history. Congratulations to Eric Spolstra. I think he's the best coach in the NBA. deserves a lot of the credit of the, I guess, the growth of this Miami Heat team from LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh. I mean, he had to rebuild this team from scratch, so I give him a lot of credit. Um... Is there trouble with the Lakers and head coach Darvin Ham? Well, if you like pastrami, then he's gone. Okay, I'm just going to let you know. <laughs> Let's parlay with Wes and, De- Wes and Derek and then wild card round picks as we do that at the end of the show. Again, we will not have a show tomorrow. That's why I did a show yesterday. I will be flying to Toronto. Wish me all the luck in the world and safe trip home. But it's going to be snowy there. It's going to be beautiful over there. This is when I like it, when it's cold and bushy. You like, you like bushy, Speedy? Not really. You don't like bushy things? I mean, maybe, but I don't really. What kind of bushy things do you like? I don't know. I, I, I think you like other bushy things. There's things that you don't like to do in your spare time, and that could cause bushy situations. Sure. Yeah, you just I'm just laying it down on the line for you. All right. Describe it as bushy. All right, it is bushy. All right. ESPN Chris Lowe reports that Nick Saban is retiring after 17 years of coaching at Alabama. And... 27 years of coaching in college football. There were rumors after Alabama struggled earlier in the season that Saban mentioned that this could be the final year. Saban also said in November, I've always said that if you're thinking about retirement, you're probably already retired, and I'm not there yet. Saban won six national championships at Alabama and one at LSU in 2003. Saban has 292 career wins, the fourth most all-time in modern-era college football history. Several former Saban disciples have been rumored to take over for him, including... Dabo Sweeney, Lane Kiffin, and Steve Sarkeesian, Texas head coach. I, you know who I think is going to get the job, right? Dabo. Dabo. Dabo's getting the job. I mean, he played for Alabama. He's been a crimson tide. He's bled red or white or whatever the hell they believe. Crimson. <laughs> yeah. I call him the crimson tide. What, 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 are, you, what, yeah. are, what are you laughing um, at? It's a shade of red. <laughs> well, they're crim. Anyways, there's a lot to say about Nick Saban. Nick Saban should have retired years ago. But Nick Saban's will to win, wanting to win, wanting to be the greatest college head coach in NCAA history. And I'm speaking about in all of NCAA sports. If, if you look at college basketball, when you, when you think about some of the greats, and one of them just retired in Coach K, one of the greatest head coaches in college basketball history. And then you could go down the line. Roy Williams, another great basketball coach. 
And then you can go to college football, and there's not many guys that really stand out in the last 15, 20 years as a dominant head coach, except Nick Saban. And Nick Saban took over Alabama after he decided to part ways with Miami after two seasons with a 9-7 and season and a 6-10 and season. At the end of his second year, he decided, hey, the NFL is not for me. College football is where I believe I'm going to make his money. He changed. He transitioned the game in the mid-2000s. And you, you look at what he has done, recruiting, and doing what he does best, going out there and finding some of the greatest defensive players we've seen in modern history. Yes, if you go up and down of all the Alabama defensive players, linebackers, defensive linemen, that are still in the NFL and dominating. Quarterback was not his position of choice. As we all know, all the quarterbacks down the line over the last, I would say, 15 years of Nick, 17 years of Nick Saban's career over there in Alabama, they weren't very successful. Tua looks like he's going to be the best one. That's not saying much. But what we have seen, and by the way, Alabama always finds wide receivers and running backs. They're fantastic. Every single one of them are practically successful in the NFL with a little weed here and there. But he has changed recruiting. And I know he didn't like the NIL deal, and I understand he didn't like the portal because it affects coaches like him, or does it? Or did it? It absolutely didn't. If anything, it helped him bring players into Alabama over the last two seasons. But what we saw over the last few years is, I'm not saying Alabama was tailing off. I just didn't see that fire in Nick Saban's eyes over the years where he was just so dominant, so good, and and everybody said every single year Alabama was the favorites to win, no matter who, Georgia, Texas, any one of those teams that were on their tail. And there's one right now that is probably up for the job in Clemson, Dabo Sweeney, who's probably going to get the job. I'm telling you he's going to get the job. I, I think that you have to appreciate great football. You have to. And what Nick Saban did, just like Bill Belichick did for the NFL, is create a bad guy. He created somebody or everybody to hate him. Because of his talent of understanding how to recruit players, how to draw players, and knowing, taking over the Crimson Tide, it was going to help him get players in and play for him in Alabama. Yeah, and every year he was top 10 in terms of the preseason poll. Every year he was generally top 10 in terms of the finishes, no matter if they won a championship or not, too. And that kind of thing is very hard to find in college football, especially in a very difficult conference in the SEC. Now, the SEC West has been up and down in his time there, and it's better now. But even so, it's always been the toughest conference in college football. And to have that kind of a track record for a while is very impressive. Taking over in 2007 and really evolving with the times, too. You were right. Like they were kind of quarterback proof. It didn't really matter what scrub they put in a quarterback for the first probably. There eight were years. a lot of scrubs. Yeah, if you want to go from Greg McElroy to AJ McCarron to uh, Jake, I forget his last day. It was so like useless. The 2012 championship quarterback. It, like they had so much good running backs with Ingram and Derrick Henry that it didn't really matter. And receivers with Julio Jones and Amari Cooper and their defense always phenomenal. It was really only the 2017 championship team with Jalen Hurts and Tua that the quarterbacks really started to become 
becoming more prevalent in that on that team. But even so, like the defense was still better. The running backs were usually still better for the most part. And he really changed college football for what it is because of that kind of thing. Because previously you always had good quarterbacks. You always had, yeah, you always had flashy other things too. But like the defense really didn't take the mold like it is now. And now you look at the last three national championships with Michigan and twice with Georgia. Those are all defensive mold teams. They weren't the greatest quarterbacks. Stetson Bennett wasn't great quarterbacks. And McCarthy is a good quarterback. But I wouldn't say he's like, you would consider a best quarterback in the country type thing. So he definitely changed that very consistent mold in college football. Like you said, a villain for the game forever. If you look at the game and, and you look at the defensive side of the ball, it, over the last couple of years, not only the NFL, but college football is trying to make the game more offensive. And you see teams like Georgia, you see teams like Alabama or Michigan dominate because they recruit some of these unbelievable young players from high school. And it wasn't easy. And Alabama always got the pick of the litter. Every single year, it was Alabama, Alabama, Alabama. And then you would see a Georgia or then you would see a Texas A&M or a Florida or Florida State because of certain coaches. And then then you see Alabama, Alabama, Alabama. It, that That's what the mold was when you came over there and played for Alabama. And there were so many great college players that you can mention that played under Nick Saban. And, deser- and deservingly so, Nick Saban was the coach that everybody wanted to be coached for and coached to because of what he has done, the success, not only in college football, but what he did even as a coordinator in the NFL. So there's a lot of things about Nick Saban that people don't understand and they don't know. But what I would say about Nick Saban and that people need to stress to understand is this guy was a winner. Bill Belichick was a winner. Now, everybody says they're giving Tom credit, all, all of the credit for Bill Belichick, but it's not true. Those defenses were some of the best defenses of this modern era. And yes, the Patriots had a lot of good defenses. They had some of the best secondary defenses we've seen in a very long time with Browner and Revis. We can go on and on and on of great defensive pairings that the the Patriots have had. Why do you think Bill Belichick drafted Mac Jones? He drafted Mac Jones because Nick Saban is his best friend. And where did Mac Jones play? He played in Alabama. Do I think Mac Jones was a first-round draft pick? No. And Mac Jones is probably never going to be a starting quarterback in the NFL again. But Nick Saban has changed the game of college football. And like everybody says, where everybody in the 90s called the Yankees the evil empire. What do you think college football was for all these years? Alabama was the evil empire. They were. Everybody's tried to beat them. Even their own coaches stiff them, and they go elsewhere, and they try to beat them. And only recently they've had success with Georgia and Texas. <laughs> Before that, not really. Every time they got hired, and there were a lot of them hired throughout the SEC, too, nobody could try to figure it out how to beat them the same look way. Look at his coordinators, and look how successful they've been in college football. Go, go up and down the list of guys that have been under him for years and went elsewhere and coached and were very successful. And we want to talk about evil empire, too. For the judgment of comparing, like, other leagues to what college football has been, like, who would you consider that second team in Nick Saban's coaching career at Alabama from 2007 to, 2000, to, to this year, 2023? 
there's not an obvious second choice. That shows between six national championships, there was not an obvious team that was an obvious threat. Now it's Georgia, fine, but who was that team before that? Clemson could beat them, yes, but Clemson wasn't that same level of powerhouse until only probably 2015 on, and you want to say... was Ohio State. Ohio State, yeah, yeah, Ohio State might have been that team, but even they didn't have that same level of success with winning national championships the same way once Urban Meyer came in. Jim Trestle won one fine. Urban Meyer won one in 2015, beating Alabama, okay, but they, that even that wasn't the same level of consistent level of championship success the same way Alabama did. So it just shows a lot of differences in terms of national championship perspective, what Nick Saban was. And that's why he is on among the league's greatest of all time. And you look at Alabama, obviously they're going to have the pick of the litter. They can have the pick of the litter. You know why? Because everybody's wanna, everybody wants to go over there and coach Alabama because look at the recruiting class coming in. Now they can go into the, they can jump into the portal, but guess what? If you bring in a big name coach like Dabo Sweeney or even Lane Kiffin or Steve Sarkeesian, you bring him in. Those are big names. Why would they leave Alabama for years? For the next fifteen, twenty years, they're going to have good recruiting classes because it's Alabama. Now the new NIL deal will change a lot of things, and other teams and schools will open up their pockets to try to draw players. Look at Texas; mm-hmm. they're bringing in. You know, Mannings, and, and, and we've seen this before. It's not like it's never happened now that the NIL deal is actually legalized. And for years, people were buying players and buying kids to come to their college under the table. It's been going on forever. Ever. And it, will cont- it would have continued if it didn't stop. Now they need to learn how to control the NIL deal. And they need to control that, not using military technology to cheat. Like no. somebody like to do Jim Harbaugh in Michigan and Connor Stallions. And I give that. them a lot of credit. <laughs> you can say whatever you want. When coaches are trying to figure out ways to win because it's, the competition is so damn close. Competition so close. I, I know everybody looks at, wow, he's the number one. He's the number one in the country. He's the number two. Or they're the number two or number three in the country. How far apart... Is one to twenty, not by much. It depends on the year, but yeah, but it's not by much. If you look at the top twenty teams, and and usually it's all about strength of schedule. That's what it is. When you look at the SEC, that's why everybody says the SEC is the powerhouse, and it's always been the powerhouse. And why they usually win is because everybody wants to play in the SEC because Alabama, Georgia, all the big name teams are in the SEC. And one of the main reasons why the SEC blew up as much as it has over the last 17 years is Nick Saban. Mm-hmm. And again, you also look at the track record for that, even saying just top 20, like finishing the season too, like even in their worst years, like Alabama last year had a down year, uh, not this past year, but they had three losses. Like that was the down year for Nick Saban and in college football. Yeah, that would be considered a down year for a powerhouse. But in comparison to even some other schools, look at, look at somebody like LSU after Joe Burrow and that team won a national championship. They were bad the no, next no, year. <laughs> I want to say this to Jeff and he says it's, it's miles apart from 1 to 20. Depending on the year, yeah. But, but I'm just saying, when you look at the wins total, even in the top 20, how many – the number 20 seed right now in, in college football, well, how many losses there? Probably three. 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 Three losses. And Alabama, who made it to the Final Four, had one loss. Michigan, that won, had no losses. Mm-hmm. Washington has, has one. So the, the runner-up had one loss. Loss, and that's only two 
less than the the number twenty seed. And I yes, it is strength of schedule, but I, that's what I'm saying. It's not far apart. It really isn't to wins to losses. It really isn't one to twenty. Adam Scheffner reports that Pete Carroll will no longer be Seattle Seahawks head coach at 17 years old. Carroll will serve in front of the office team advisor role, similarly by uh, to Bruce Arians when he stepped down from the Buccaneers head coach in 2000 as the head coach in 2022. The Seattle Seahawks were nine and eight this season and missed the playoffs for only the third time in Carroll's 14 year career with the Seahawks. Carroll had a 137 89 and 1 record uh, in the regular season as the Seahawks head coach and 10 and 9 as a playoff record coach uh, for the Seattle Seahawks and only won one Super Bowl for in franchise history and for their franchise history in 2013. It was rumored that the Seahawks would pursue Dan Quinn to be their next head coach if Carroll retired or steps down. Quinn was the defensive coordinator for Seattle back-to-back Super Bowls appearances in 2013 and 2014 and had the number one ranked defense in both yards and points allowed those two seasons. First of all, it's a shoo-in that Dan Quinn's taking this job. Mm -hmm. It's a shoo-in. Even if the Cowboys fire Mike McCarthy, Dan Quinn's going to Seattle. Who gave Dan Quinn his first coordinator job? It was Pete Carroll. Where was his first coordinator job? It was with Pete Carroll in Seattle. He helped build that legion of boom. That defense, that unbelievable defense that we saw where everybody's trying to compare and contrast the Baltimore Ravens and the Bears and all those defenses that we have seen over the years, the Giants, trying to compare that Seattle defense to all of those. And at one point in that time, for that four-year, five-year span, that was the best defense by far in football. And Pete Carroll brought a different type of villain over there in Seattle. He brought the 12th man. Nobody even knew what the 12th man was. For years, they stunk. And we all know what happened to Seattle Seahawks when they had a pretty good running game and every Five years, they have a new quarterback that you never heard of. They're there for a couple of years, and then they're completely gone. You get lost in Seattle. Pete brought a different thought of winning to Seattle. It didn't work when he was a a head coach for a little while with the Patriots. It didn't work when he was a a partial one-year head coach for the New York Jets. It didn't work in the NFL in the beginning. And then he went to USC And he built one of the biggest dynasties in college football history with the USC Trojans. Pete is 72 years old. You look at him, he's the oldest coach right now in the NFL if he goes into another season. Now that he is stepping down, it would be Bill Belichick. To be consistent for 14 years, In a game that goes by you just with a blink of an eye. Look at the running backs. The average running back in the NFL plays three years. Mm -hmm. Pete Carroll was there for 14 years. 
and only won Super Bowl, should have won two, if it wasn't for his stupidity at the three-yard line. All he had to do was hand the ball off to Marshawn Lynch. It would have been over. And he knows it. Everybody knows it. What he was thinking made absolutely no sense. And we talk about all the time, like Mike Tomlin has uh, all these years of non-losing seasons. Pete Carroll, the only year that he had a losing season was his first year with, or second year with the Seattle Seahawks. And they were 7-9. and nine. They missed the playoffs that year. And every other year since then was a winning season for them. Even in the years that they missed the playoffs. They were 10-6. and six. They, they missed out on a, a, like a bad field goal or something against the Falcons when Blair Walsh was there. And then this year, they were 9-8. and eight, Missed out on some tiebreaker scenarios with the Green Bay Packers. Those are the only years that they did not have losing seasons, even when their rosters did not look great on paper. When they lost all those defensive players from the Legion of Boom in 2017 through 19, they still stayed afloat offensively because they became more of an offensive team, drafted all those wide receivers. It was uh, They found good running backs after Marshawn Lynch left for the Raiders, and they were able to finally rebuild their offensive line until Russell Wilson got disgruntled with it and decided to get traded to the Broncos. But nevertheless, their coaching stability was always there. The defense, even when it got bad, was still pretty good in some instances. They were always very physical with their corners. They loved big corners. They loved these bigger pass rushers. And they signed them. They built from the secondary down to the trenches, and then they go sign these other pass rushers. They bring in Michael Bennett, a loud mouth, but was a good pass rusher. Cliff Averill they bring into that team. And they really established that. We talk about teams of, all right, you can't be a loud team that runs your mouth to win a Super Bowl. No, not the Seahawks. They could still be that kind of identity and still make it work. And Pete Carroll was the perfect guy for that. And Pete Carroll was a guy that really brought that defensive mind and, and style to that Seattle Seahawks. And, and, and by the way, Pete Carroll was a defensive coordinator. He came from the Bill Belichick tree. Yep. That, that's where he came from. And, and not many of them were successful after leaving Bill Belichick. You can go up and down that tree. It's just horrible. Putrid. But I will tell you this. Pete Carroll was one of very few that was successful and won a Super Bowl by, from that tree. And that says a lot about who he was. And he didn't know what his identity was as a defensive coordinator when he was the defensive coordinator for the Patriots. And he jumped from one team to the other as a head coach. And then he realized that maybe going into college football and recruiting players and talking in people's living rooms was more for him. It was more where he could be connected to the younger players and and, and connected to the youth that are future NFL superstars. And he did. He he recruited Matt Leiner, and he wasn't a successful quarterback in the NFL. But he won two national championships and a Heisman. Okay, Matt Leiner won a Heisman, right? I'm pretty sure, yeah. I think he won one. I'm pretty sure he won one. And, And then you look at, obviously, other players that came from his team and 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 look at look at Wagner. Wagner was a part of that success. He was and Wagner was drafted by Pete Carroll. If you go up and down that roster, Richard Sherman, all those guys came from Pete Carroll, Thomas, Pete Carroll. Now he didn't draft those guys, but he had to develop them. You could draft those guys all you want. Who's the one that's developing them? The coach. And everything about Pete Carroll shows you the type of man that he is. He never threw anybody under the bus. All those stories that were coming out from the locker room where Russell Wilson didn't come out (laughs) from the locker room after Russell Wilson was gone. 
That tells you about who he is as a coach and what type of coach he is keeping everything in the locker room. And you talk about young players, too. I think that was one of the biggest transitions he had to make after those Super Bowl teams because the team really had to get a lot younger because they didn't keep a lot of those other players, too. And the relationships I think he had with those players that weren't considered stars or were considered reaches in the first round, because Seattle always drafted very weird for the most part in the first round. But they drafted Penny in the first round. Yeah, they had a lot of weird picks like that, and they made Wasn't it work. Wasn't he a first round or he second was. He was a first round pick. He was, a, he was drafted before Nick Chubb, and I think besides Saquon, every other running back Nick Chubb draft. was a second round draft. Yeah, Nick yeah. Chubb was a second round draft. They, they drafted Rashad Penny before him, but they always had a lot of weird first round picks, but they made him work in that kind of system. And look at all these random undrafted, both defensive players and wide receivers that they made work in that system because they trusted somebody like Pete Carroll to make it work. And I think a lot of that has to do with that USC tenure, too. He got more comfortable with these younger players. And outside of, you look at probably Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright, I think, on that defense, and maybe Earl Thomas, like all of those were like day three picks, too. Richard Sherman was a fifth round pick. Cam Chancellor was a fifth round pick. That's a lot of credit to him. And he was consistently doing that for a while, probably up until 2019. He understands real talent. Look at Woolen. He was drafted. He was a late round pick. I think a fifth or sixth round yep. draft pick. He was right there behind Sauce Garner as one of the best young defensive corners in the league last year. Now, this year he took a couple of steps back because of injury, because of that team. That defense was absolutely putrid this year. But nevertheless... You should give Pete Carroll a lot of credit for the success that he had. He's the one who drafted Russell Wilson. He was the one that decided when Matt Flynn was signed in and brought in to be the head uh, the head quarterback, the number one quarterback of this roster, that he was the one that before preseason was over to decide, put the young kid in, eat the money on Matt Flynn, and, and put the kid in, and let's see what the kid has. He has a better chance of taking our team to a better place. And what did he do? He took him to back-to-back Super Bowls and almost won him two Super Bowls in three years. And a veteran quarterback, too, in Tavares Jackson that has some good success with Minnesota, too, before he went over there to Seattle as well. All right, Jeff. Jeff is on the phone now. I don't think that you realize how big of a chasm it really is between one and 20. Like, I, I don't think that you, like the four lost teams, like speedy, good guess, I guess. Oh, three lost teams. No, the four lost teams start at 16. Okay. Four lost teams. I said it depended on the year. It usually always fluctuates because there's it always doesn't some... depend on the year. You can go back the year before, and it's the Jeff. Same. Four lost Jeff, teams that's start fine, in... fine, Jeff. And it, it's always about the, the the strength of schedule with college football. Even if they have four losses, so you're telling me the team that got eliminated that lost in a national championship only had three less win, uh, three less losses than everybody else, all the way from 16 to 20. That's still pretty damn good. That no, says, it's not. Yes, it's it is. Not. It's no, it's not. When you're only playing eleven games, so how are they ranked in the That's top twenty? Because of the strength. This because is, there's a strength this. of schedule. Is that what you're saying? Because oh, so you know what? Because their yes. strength of schedule is is harder than the team that's 25 right now, and they yes. have they have two two less losses than the other team, I'm going to put them at the 16th, and, and they'll be the 25th? Yes. I, yes. Th- then they should all play each other. They should all play each other. Well, yeah, well, that's part of the problem. They need to take the scheduling away. You can look at this year. Who do you think was 25th this year? Liberty. They went 13-1. and one. Who was 16th? Oklahoma State. They went 10-4. and four. 
Yes, strength of schedule matters in college football. I never Where said that it been? didn't. Are you are you not listening to the monologue? I said strength of schedule is the reason why there's ranking. You don't listen to anything. You just <laughs> but, throw curveballs and say I don't say anything when I do. Losing, when I do. If you're losing, if you're losing 33% of your games, which is what that is, right? If you're losing four games, let's just say there's 12 weeks, even though there really isn't because part of this is the bowl game, right? So you're losing at a higher, like you're losing at a 40% rate? Yeah, dude, that's not good. The fact is, I believe that just like the NCAA has opened up portals and NIL deals, they should take these schedules and, and just, it doesn't matter who you're playing. If you want to be in the top four, top 12 now to get into that tournament, you got to play whoever they put on your schedule. It doesn't matter where you are, what division you're on, you're in. It doesn't really matter. Or where you're playing in the SEC, the, the Pac-12, whatever. I, I don't think, I don't it's, think it's, it should. It's going to matter. Well, I, I would agree with you on, in some respects, but there are some, like, so you're saying whoever wins the Sun Belt Conference should get in? Why not? If they're if you're putting them against almost, you know, if they're playing two SEC teams in a year and they're they're mixing, but, they're not. They're, but I'm just saying if they take that away and they put them against different teams from different conferences, it could open no. up that thought right. that they should be there. Right. right. So you're making the argument that the NCAA, and I'm in agreement with you. I think the NCAA should be making the schedule because then it would take the ability of. Uh, Alabama to stop playing Stephen F. Austin or Citadel mm-hmm. or something right. like that. Like, like it's ridiculous, right? Mm-hmm. But until that happens, it is what it is. And you're never going to see a Mountain West school or a, or a Sunbelt school get in. I, I understand that. But again, if they're changing the uh, you're changing the tournament. You're changing everything for a national championship and, and try to get to that national championship game. They should be looking at that because maybe somebody from the Sun Belt or the, the conference or something like that. If they're playing if they're playing two SEC teams every single year and they're winning those games, they might not be playing as many as – I'm just saying that if they do or they win one out of two – Okay, and and other teams in the SEC only wins a certain amount, but because they're they have a little bit harder of a schedule, they're going to be ranked higher than that team. I think that they should just make the strength of schedules like you were saying. Open it up, give these teams an opportunity to play some of the best in the country, and see how it all lies. But you're right. But you're never going to get it to be equal because there's always going to, you know, now that they're forming super conferences, there's always going to be people that play tougher schedules. Like it, it, it's it's not going to matter. Playing Jacksonville State, who's in Alabama, by the way, yes. uh, is going to be a much easier win because you're going to have to play them because they're still in conference. So beating Rutgers, as pathetic as that is, because <laughs> Rutgers blows, is still going to be better than beating Jacksonville State. Well, the other I problem is, too, is they always pay for those kinds of, like, those games. They, they'll they pay the smaller school, like, a certain amount of money to play them at their homecoming or something like that. and. Based on what you're saying, Jeff, if they have to change their whole schedule structure, if the NCAA does it, the NCAA has to have a pattern like the NFL. Here's another thing that really bothers me about college football. You have a strength of schedule, and because your quarterback is hurt, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing up the Florida State thing because it does bother me. Because he didn't play and because they barely beat Louisville, they don't make the tournament. I understand. And by the way, you know why they get their butts whipped is because half the players didn't play in that game against Georgia. Yeah. You know, they decided, you know no, what, so we're no not one, playing. So no one on Georgia's side out? No, I, I didn't say that. 
but there were more good players okay. on Georgia than there were on Florida State. Right. You also forfeit your right to complain when you let 60-something points get hung on you. All of your guys, you could have had all of them. And all the Georgia guys that sat out still could have sat out. It still wouldn't have made up for a 60-point difference in the loss. It wouldn't have. Maybe it they wouldn't have. Right, they, Maybe they it wouldn't right have. Choice. And it wouldn't have they mattered the for right. the ranking system, though. Who cares? Yeah, like, I think Georgia's a better team than Florida State, too, but that doesn't mean that an undefeated Georgia should have been in it. Get in. Georgia should have been in it even oh, if Alabama Speedy, beat them. Stop with that argument, too, Speedy, because that's just the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Oh, undefeated conference. Were you making that argument when UCF? Yes, I was the first choice? year. Well, first yes, of I was all, the first and year. And I'm going to say this again. Oh, when Al- what happened how many the times? Year? Why weren't you making that argument the second Jeff, year? Jeff, how many times? Speedy, I mean, Jeff, how many times did Georgia beat Alabama this year? Uh, none. They beat, they, they, they didn't play him twice? No, they didn't. They, okay. So they lost no, in they one didn't. game. So they, they lost one game. Against Alabama. And Alabama had one loss, too, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yes. And who did they, they lose against? To, to Texas. They lost to Texas. They went, lost to Texas. Okay. So when when you're the committee, you're sitting down there with, and you're trying to decide who's in, who's out, who's not, who's there, who's there, where are we ranking them now at the final week of the season? How does that work? How do you sit there and, and declare a team that has just as hard a schedule as, I don't know, Alabama and all those other teams and say they're but undefeated? They but – they, but they did. did, but they did. They no, did. they didn't. No, they they didn't. They beat four the top twenty teams, did they not? Or no, top fifteen teams because, or something no, like that? No, they beat two. At the end of the year, there was only two other ACC teams that were ranked, and it was it was NC State at nineteen and Clemson at like twenty two or something. Hold on, let me let me look up. Yeah, Clemson at twenty and Louisville at nineteen. I remember the All Clemson the game. Teams, all the other teams they played were not ranked at the end of the year. And that's also part of the problem. People go, oh, well, we beat ranked teams. No, you didn't. Because when the season played out and they lost five or six games, they dropped out of the rankings. So, sure, you played them at the beginning of the year when they were ranked. When, where they were ranked. And, and that's something that you have to look at. Right, but the right, but the, but if the te- right, okay. So, Colorado, is a, it was a quality win this year? No. No, it wasn't. But they were ranked – Super high because Deion Sanders was there. Yeah. And then they got their picks rubbed in the dirt, and it, they proved that they couldn't hang. So claiming four wins is the dumbest thing on the planet. Because just because, what, preseason, all reputation, big school? Get out of here with that. Those what? teams sucked. Well, I, and I understand that, and I'm not arguing with you when it comes to college football because I don't watch it as much as you do. I watch it, but I don't watch it as much as you. So but here's, the, here's the problem with ranked wins. Because I've had this conversation with people before. No one should be ranked. There should be no AP preseason rankings or whatever. There should be none of that. The first ranking should be when the college football playoff committee starts to rank people. That way, you can't claim ranked wins based on... Recruiting uh, classes. Never, that's not what seeing that, the team play before. But that's what they're doing. They're ranking who came back. No, it's led, not. But that's how they rank it. Do they not? When you look at all the teams, and even, like, for instance, two years ago, why did everybody thought think that Georgia was going to win the national championship? Because half their guys were coming back. And, and they had a, right, one of the top. The, right, half, yeah, so right, that's how they rank them. That's how they rank them. Right, which is a problem. Right, which is a problem. Because you see, was TCU good this year? No. no. The whole their players no, they, are gone. Right, right. Oh, no, no, no. They had a lot of guys return. They didn't have that many. Come on, Keon the big Taylor names. Left and Max Duggan left. Yeah, the two right? best and guys then, of the and team. Quentin John, and Quentin John, right? 
Well, but they still had most of their guys returning. And and you have to understand this, and you do, when it comes to playmakers, even though it's two, three, maybe even four guys, those are significant guys to those defenses and offenses. So you can't. Dude, Georgia Georgia has five guys picked in the top 10. Dude, I'm not complaining about Georgia. Georgia always has a top three recruiting class. So does Michigan, and so does Alabama. Right, but you don't know what you're getting. You don't know how they're going to perform, and you don't know if they're going to gel together. So part of the problem is teams like Florida State claiming ranked wins when they play dog shit in September. I mean, you have your arguments. I would agree with you, but in in certain aspects of what you're saying, I just think that when you look at college football and even college basketball, I I didn't like where they ranked Duke in the beginning of the season. They ranked (laughs) second, and then all of a sudden they're not even ranked anymore, or they just moved back. I think they're back up to like 12 now. I I think the last two games they've won, so they moved Uh, up in the ranking. but But also a vastly different circumstance. Because in college basketball, do they play 30 games or 35 games? It depends on the uh, conference tournament. I think the regular season is 30 games, and then they, they yeah, play it's out. it's like the, 35. And that's based on the conference tournament. Yeah. There's usually like some and, fluctuations where a team will finish 31-3 and three or something like that. Right, and also the rankings vastly don't matter in college basketball. There's two ways to get in. Play a tough schedule and win the majority of your games or win a conference tournament and you're automatically because there's right, 64 auto teams. Yeah. Right, like the sixty-four or the sixty-eight. The sixty-eight, that, right? yeah. The the worst of the yeah. worst four of the conference champions will be the the play-in for the first round, and then that'll right. be sixty-four. So, right, so like vastly different. So trying to compare college basketball to college football is. I'm not comparing it. I'm just speaking about how they're ranking it before the season started. How did they rank Duke as the second? best team in the nation when even though their recruiting class was fantastic and I'm not thanking Shire for that. I'm thanking Coach <laughs> K for that. But. Right, so, right, but, but, right, but so think about this. If, and they didn't, I'm, like it is what it is. Say Florida State had played TCU and you're going to go, oh, well, we beat the 15th ranked team in the country. No, you didn't. They're, they finished the season like 50th. I mean. But because, but because a bunch of writers had some stupid opinion and they made a vastly major error, you want to count that as a ranked win to skew it in your favor. I'm just looking at it in a way um, that if... Um, that's a question. That's a question. So uh, let's put it this way. Uh, you hate certain reporters. Oh, they hate the Yankees. Oh, they hate the... Oh, they, this guy hates the Yankees. I don't care if they hate the Yankees. I mean, you, you, you do. No, you I don't. That point. No, I don't. You bring uh-huh. up guys with the Goldilocks balls, and the only reason why he's writing is because he's attacking the Yankees. That's what they're paying right, him so, to do, right, so, to make right, so up crap so, that so, is not true. Uh, first of all, uh, Speedy, was the Goldilocks ball I don't believe made it. up? I don't believe it. Nobody was said it made wasn't made, made up, but again, there were other th- there were other. The, the first report was from a Red Sox guy. And, 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 and just so wait, you, wait, and just so you know, even though they had special it. balls, it only came out when they were like he hit fifty or fifty-five home runs. That was when the Goldilocks balls, these special balls, were coming uh, out because they were. Just, you yes, don't the, you don't believe it. I don't you believe know it. All about it. I don't. No, I'm just saying <laughs> right, but, right, they were. So, he was going to break the record anyways. All right, stop. All right, relax. But you hate reporters' opinions all the time. No, I don't. And now you. No, I don't. Oh come on! Oh, I don't. I don't believe that because it's it's uh, a, a Yankee hater wrote that. that so but it's it. true. It, that's not a lie. Okay. 
Okay, okay, so okay, so go read all his articles. Oh. It's not one good oh. thing he says about. Oh. He just wrote something right. about Marcus Stroman. He might be going okay, to the so, Yankees, and he's like, okay, oh, so he's like, oh, the Yankees so, are making a so valuable mistake if this happens. Right, right. So you're you're trying to argue both sides of it, and you can't because you'll constantly argue reporters' opinions are wrong. Right. Yeah. So maybe the people writing these polls are just Florida State lovers, and they want to rank them higher. Listen, I I don't care. It's that's not even my my argument with Florida State. I just it brought up. I brought Florida State up. I can't remember the other team that no, this happened to. Is. You know what? No. You know why? <clears throat> it doesn't usually happen to teams like that. It's no. It's at the heart of your Florida State Stop. argument because you're trying no because you're trying to say those ranked wins matter. When they at did. The end of the year, they were all fifty and sixty. It, so hold on one second, Jeff. Okay, so you got Georgia, you got Alabama. They're playing all ranked teams in the beginning of the season, right? Am I right? No, they were. They don't, uh, like, they were. No, they don't. When did Alabama no, lose his first? When did they f- first lose their fir- at their first game of the season? Third week of the season. Third Fourth week of the season. So the, in the okay. first five okay, weeks, so, they were playing ranked teams, right? No, they weren't. Okay, go, Middle let's, Tennessee ranked. Let's let's they see. It. Florida ranked. Uh, hold on, at the time, I want to see if they were ranked. I'm, I, I want it. I want to pop it up. You Alabama. Need to see if Middle Tennessee is ranked. At the time, at the time, at the time, they were ranked. Middle Tennessee. I'm just Middle saying. Tennessee. No, they weren't. But you, why are you? <laughs> just bring it up, please. I, even if it's one out of the five teams. One of the five it's teams. Texas. Texas was ranked, and then and week four, Mississippi was ranked. Okay. And they didn't play another ranked team until week, I don't know, eight or something. Whenever they, they played Tennessee. LSU, probably. No, Tennessee was the week before oh, Tennessee. LSU. Okay. Right. So they, out of two out of the five, they played ranked teams. How no, about two out of the, two out of no, the five? So, no, no. One, uh, yeah, two out, no, two out of four, two out of five, two out of six, two out of seven. Two out of state started the season. Two out of seven. All right, Florida right. State. Go to Florida State, and I want to get off this subject. Go to Florida State and, and see. They and started with LSU, and okay. then they didn't play anyone until the end of the year when they played Louisville. So what's the difference from Alabama? What is the difference? Because they won. They they beat a harder schedule. They played and 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 beat teams that were ranked at the end of the year. Tennessee, but they LSU, weren't in the beginning. Florida. They weren't in the beginning. So what? Who cares about the be- so the beginning is all that matters. So if you no, 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 no. Obviously, game. there are things that happen in, in the in the regular season. Maybe somebody gets hurt, or you know, some players don't decide to like play a certain. Yeah, like a quarterback. Like a quarterback. Yes. yes, thank you. I know what you're trying to get to, but I, 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 I you walked right into it. That's on you, not me. Well, good for you. Uh, what's good for you is good for me, right? Uh, like I sell Speedy all the time. Yeah. You're, but you're trying to skew the argument for Florida State, and there is no argument. The committee got it right, period. Uh, they got it right, and maybe in <laughs> their minds it worked. But I think, to me, it affected – and by the were way, they, they two, didn't get – were, were they two good semifinal games? Were they, were Georgia should have been in the, the – Georgia should have been in the Final Four. Georgia would have won the national right, championship. Okay, right. Like, okay, we can, we can, we can make that argument, and, and that is what it is, right? But they were two good semifinal games. What if the semifinal game was Georgia versus Florida State? And, you know, Georgia just won by 60. Mm. All right. I mean, because you, 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 you lose – the ability to claim that oh we could have would have should have done something. I didn't. We. Oh. I'm not Florida State. 
I'm just a, the argument on, on for, for, yeah, that. because they have an argument. They have a right to argue this situation for what it was. And by the way, no, as, no, yes, they do. Down and die and lose by 60. They didn't have seven, eight players playing in that game. Half their defense didn't play in that game. Which is, which is voluntary. Oh, God. Jeff, thank you for calling. I'm serious. I love him. And he has, he's made some quality arguments to that whole college football thing. But here's my, my argument to it. If you go 13-0 and 0, and your strength of schedule, you beat four ranked teams. You're automatically in most of the time, right or wrong. Some methodology, yeah. I think they've changed it a little more recently. Did they win more... the ACC championship? They did. They did. And they were the first Power 5 undefeated champion to not get in. It was very strange logic compared to other methodology. Now, Jeff is right did to they an get, extent. Did it get crushed by Georgia? Yeah. That doesn't and, matter. Results don't matter. For yeah, especially when half your players didn't play in the game. Yeah, the, the result – The I, I I agree Florida State would have gotten probably blown out by anybody else that made the college football playoff. That's fine, but that doesn't mean they shouldn't have gotten I don't know in. about that. They'd be but Washington. Regardless of result, they shouldn't have gotten shouldn't have gotten should have gotten in just based on the metrics they previously used. I think they'd be of the Washington. And I think they could be Texas too. Texas looked like a, a shell of themselves against Washington. Even so, I think I think the methodology And that defense and what really and by the way, Washington played very good defensively in that game. They did. They played very good defensively. And they're not a good defensive team. They Outside were, of the second quarter. They were an they did, offensive yeah. team. Yeah, they did. Could but, you imagine Florida State playing them in that game? I think if Jeff if Jeff has the I'm not saying they would have won the national championship. If Jeff's methodology is going to be true, make it constant throughout every year. Like they kind of like split hairs with those kinds of things. I did not say they were going to win the national championship, but they deserved to be there. And so did Georgia. Georgia would have won the whole thing. It wouldn't have even been close. They would have crushed Michigan in that final game. They would have kicked the you know what out of Alabama if they played him again. They only lost that game on a mistake in the fourth quarter. What was it? Five minutes left? Four minutes left? It's the only reason why they lost the game. And then Washington. Washington was a Cinderella team this year. Penix is going to be a uh, first-round, maybe early second-round draft pick. They got one of the better wide receivers in in Dunze right there for anybody to draft in the first round to really get a – a breakout top-end wide receiver. Maybe the Giants. Maybe the Jets. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. I don't know how, I don't know how these college executives slash committee does this and, and decides who's in and who's out. And now they can now there's 12 teams. So it, it's going to be very fun to watch because you don't really have to put your team out there significantly like we've seen over the last couple of years. CBS Sports Jonathan Jones reports that Matt Eberflus will officially stay as head coach of the Bears. The Bears were one of five teams interested in Jim Harbaugh, but it seems like the Chargers or Raiders are the more likely candidates for him. The Bears did fire offensive coordinator Luke Getze and also four other offensive assistant coaches. In both 2022 and 2023, under Getze, the Bears' offense was bottom half of the league, 
both total yards and points. There were comments made by Justin Fields about not getting along with that coaching staff in the beginning of the season, and the Bears started 0-4. The Bears now face a huge decision to keep Fields or draft the quarterback at number one overall. Thank you to the Carolina Panthers. I mean, who's who's not la- who's laughing to the bank right now? Chicago gives up their number one pick last year. And by the way, who was the number one pick? Bryce Young. Bryce Young. To get their choice or pick if they want a quarterback, whatever they want to do. And, and honestly, I would trade out of that pick. I would again get a significant amount of draft stock for that. You could get three first, four, maybe even five if, if somebody really likes a quarterback. Caleb Williams, everybody is speaking about. I like Caleb Williams, and he has the most talent in this class. That doesn't mean he's going to be the best quarterback in this class, as we've seen. But Caleb Williams, I think a team would, at number 10 or 11, if they really, really want him to jump from 11 to 1, you're talking about three first-round draft picks, maybe two, and a player or two. Good players to get that done. I mean, honestly, Chicago is in the driver's seat. They were in the driver's seat last year. And they're going to stay in the driver's seat until otherwise. I'm going to tell you this. Justin Fields is a good quarterback. Justin Fields, I believe, could still be a top 10 quarterback in this league. You can win with Justin Fields. What the Bears did to him in the second half of the season, yeah, should have Justin Fields come out and say what he said about the coaching staff or say anything about certain situations that were happening in the locker room? No. And he would come back and say he admits he maybe shouldn't have said what he said. But you can't blame the kid for speaking the truth. That organization, that team, has been nothing but a debacle. When Nagy was there, he had a chance. They had Khalil Mack at the top of his game. They had every – their defense was one of the best in the league. They Everything was – even Mitchell Trubisky looked like a star. And what happens? As a high seed, they get into the playoffs and they lose. On wild card weekend. What does that tell you? What does that tell you about the Bears organization? That was the last time I believe the Bears were any good. And that says a lot about this organization. I'm a Jet fan, so I know what it is to watch terrible football. Chicago's not far from the Jets. They're really not. They're actually worse. They've never had a quarterback throw 30 touchdowns or 3,000 yards or 4,000 yards at a season. They're, they're really not. Even the Jets have done that. <laughs> but guess what? Rex Grossman took the Chicago Bears to the Super Bowl. I don't remember any quarterback doing that in my lifetime for the New York Jets. Rex Grossman. Just think of that last name. Grossman. That's how gross it was as a quarterback and watching him play the quarterback position. And somehow that team all went all the way. And that was really the only Super Bowl Peyton Manning actually won. And that was, then he got a big contract from the great Dan Snyder. <laughs> I mean, seriously. You wonder, what is this organization doing? Matt, Matt Aberflus did a good job at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. He did. The team figured it out. The defense was one of the best run-stopping defenses in the league. They did very well. 
They added, obviously, a pretty good uh, young player from Washington. So they, they added some talent to this team, to this roster. And they drafted well, and they brought some free agents in over the last couple of years. Some of them worked. Most of them didn't. There was no reason why they should have or decided to let go of David Montgomery. He goes to the Lions. Yes, he was 100% healthy. He still had almost 900 yards. If he played as the number one, and by the way, the Chicago Bears had no running game whatsoever this year. If Chicago had any running game this year, they make the playoffs. Yeah, they found it at the end of the season, but you're right. For the most part, even with a healthier offensive line in the middle of the season, they still couldn't get anything going. And that's been, I think, the problem with the Bears trying to find offensive talent around them. And, and then you always had good running backs. Yeah, and they, they always found random running backs that just worked. They went from Jeremy Langford even to Jordan Howard out of those couple peak years and to Tariq. Cohen, and then, like you said, to Montgomery, they drafted in the second round, and he had a nice, good, steady run for a while. Chicago, even with bad offensive lines. Even before that, Matt Forte. Right, Matt Forte was a great running back. But even even then, we could go up and down even after that. Right, but even like with bad offensive lines, they still found these random running backs to work. They've never found that with quarterbacks, and they have to make sure that they are right on this. Remember Jones from the, he went to the Jets? Yep. And I mean, he was a great running back, too. So that track record. He was the running back of that Super Bowl team. Yep. That track record helps for finding running backs late in the draft. You want that whole philosophy of do they wait on a running back or not? The Bears cannot miss on these quarterbacks. And that's why I think this great is the right move firing Luke Getze. I think Luke Getze really held back Justin Fields a lot because they tried to bring a Packers-type offense to the Bears. He was there with Aaron Rodgers as the assistant with Nathaniel Hackett as the quarterback coach. And he tried to bring that kind of thing to the Bears. And I think, and that's another thing. For everybody that wanted to believe, and everybody keeps talking about Jordan Love, and he, he did look good this year. I'm not going to lie, but early, like six, seven games in a the season, there were people writing stories saying, and they're pretty much counting him out. He's not as good. He's not this. He's not the quarterback of the future. Well, Jordan Love's had a pretty good second half of the season. Looked oh, yeah. really good. He got his team into the playoffs. They shouldn't have made it, but hey, he got them in the playoffs, and they got a chance. They got the, they got the uh, Cowboys this week. They're going into Dallas. They have a very good record in Dallas over the years, thanks to Aaron Rodgers, which all – the Rodgers, a.k.a. haters out there that want to throw Aaron Rodgers to the Wolves because he wanted to stay there in Green Bay, but the Packers didn't want to extend him or do anything for him for him to be happy. And then they're putting lists of guys that Aaron Rodgers was throwing to and and, and, and now Jordan Love and saying that Jordan Love's a better quarterback. He's not. He's not Aaron Rodgers. Stop this. If he's maybe one step under Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre, are you going to cry? Are you going to be upset about that? You're going to have a quarterback that can win you a Super Bowl. It doesn't mean he's better than those guys. He was he had 32 touchdowns to 11 interceptions. He had over 4,000 yards. Great. Who did he play? What division does he play in? How many times does he play the Chicago Bears? Honestly, me and you could beat the Bears. A peewee football team could beat the Bears and score on the Bears. Yeah, any team, any any fan that's saying that right now, you need at least three Minnesota years. Minnesota suck too. You need three years at least of this time. No Jefferson, no cousin, no problem. Yep. You need three years of that kind of thing to even say he's in the, somewhat in the conversation. You need one like elite year where he's like an MVP candidate. Jordan Love is not there. That like division that. is the worst division in football. It is the worst division in football. I, you could go up and down. Go look at those rosters. I'm not saying they're not good players there. I'm not saying that. Chicago stinks. 
Minnesota has a quarterback problem. And they have, even though their defense played somewhat good, it's not a good defense. Honestly, Green Bay has a lot of deficiencies. What makes them good? Jordan Love? We have to see him do it back-to-back or even three years before we think Jordan Love is anything special. At least three years. So you have to start there, and he has to have one year where he's like a near-MVP candidate. Not enough to win, but at least a near-MVP candidate. But going back to the Bears, like, the Bears still need to find other things on offense depth-wise, too, to help it out, too. DJ Moore is a nice wide receiver. Cole Komet is good as a tight end. Their offensive line got better this year. They drafted a lot of offensive linemen in the last two years. It's worked for them. But they need a scheme to help out the rest of these guys if they don't have the talent there right now. And if they do trade the pick, they're going to get the talent. That's and, and, why I agree with you. And I want to say something. Detroit, as everybody knows, I didn't mention Detroit because Detroit is the only team in that division that has any sense of understanding what they are and who they are as a team. But Detroit for years was a horrible team. Mm-hmm. Just think about it. The top of that division was always usually Green Bay and Minnesota. That's been like that for the last 10 years. Chicago at one point was there too. Because they had a running game and they had a defense. Brian Urlacher, they had, they had a monstrous defense. And that was when Detroit stunk. And even Minnesota wasn't that good. No, Minnesota only emerged kind of with Zimmer. And they had a couple of playoff yeah, years. Like but they were, not, years. they were not even consistent year to year either, Minnesota. I mean, that's one of the worst divisions in football. And, uh, and I would say for years it was the AFC South. Hmm. But Houston's good. Jacksonville, somewhat. And, Indianapolis is really good. Tennessee was good. I don't know what happened. Now Mike Vrabel's gone. So you're you're probably talking about three or four bad years of Tennessee football, but they got a quarterback. I think Will Levis is the real deal. You need help with receivers, though. Oh, 100%. Hopkins alone at 33 years old is And where does Tennessee draft this year? I think, if I'm not mistaken. They're seven, I believe. Are they seven? So they have a good chance of landing a really, really good Wide receiver. They're seven. Mm. So right behind the Giants. If the Giants decide to not draft a wide receiver, which they would be dumb not to, they're going to have the pick of the litter, Tennessee. Mm. Coleman, Azume, whatever his name is. I mean, they're going to have the pick of the litter. Atlanta, they don't need a wide receiver. Atlanta needs offensive line help. I I think if Alt's sitting there or one of those guys from Penn State is sitting there, I, I could see that. The Jets are going to miss out on these offensive linemen, these two big ones, because... Unless there's quarterback traits. The, char- the Chargers are not drafting an offensive lineman. I don't believe the Giants are doing that either. They need a playmaker. Tennessee might. but yeah, I they could. I, I could see Tennessee going after a wide... They need desperately a wide receiver. They need a playmaking wide receiver. Atlanta will probably look for offensive line help, but they'll also very... It, who knows? Who they, they also bring. should draft a quarterback. But. They could. They could draft a quarterback <laughs> unless they trade for one. They should draft one. Uh, Chicago is probably going to look for another offensive player, and then there's the Jets. Maybe, maybe one of those offensive linemen fall to the Jets. <laughs> I doubt it. I really. We know where Chicago's going. They're probably going quarterback unless somebody trades up. Whoever trades up for it, somebody's going quarterback. Washington's going quarterback. New England more than likely is going quarterback. Arizona's going wide receiver. The Chargers could go. I think the Chargers, they don't need a wide receiver. I think defense. I think the Chargers. They could go defense. They could also go with another offensive lineman, too, because their right tackle position is really bad right now. I don't think they go for an offensive lineman over there. I I don't. Uh, The Giants go for a wide receiver. 
Tennessee goes for a wide receiver. Atlanta goes for the offensive lineman. Chicago, I could see. They should go for a receiver, too. A, a receiver. And then the Jets, maybe, will be lucky. Maybe. I doubt it. Then, One could only hope. I doubt. Luck doesn't work with the New York Jets, that's for sure. <laughs> we all know that. They're, they're not a very lucky organization. So, But to, to go back to the Bears, the Bears have been inefficient. I think, even though I think Matt Eberflus had a good second half, he should have been fired. I, I think that whole squad should have. If you can't coach Justin Fields and get him to the top of his game, you're no good to the organization. What makes you think that this coaching staff is going to help Caleb Williams or <laughs> Drake, Drake May? Do you think any of these guys are going to be able to coach this new quarterback? They couldn't coach a very talented Justin Fields. Yeah, they better be sure that the relationship, whatever issues we're having at the beginning of the season, is gone from at least Everflus and Fields, if you're going to keep them there, or Everflus and I think this is a big mistake. I really do. I think this is a really, really big mistake. But I, just like the Jets, I think the Robert Sala thing, it's going to smack the Jets right in the face. Because even if Aaron stays healthy this year, even if he stays healthy, what are the chances? What are the chances the Jets make the playoffs next year when there are so many other teams that are going to have so much money to spend and the Jets will have money too, but the Jets are going to be worse. They're not they're, The chances of them bringing back Bryce Huff is very slim because Bryce Huff is saying that he wants to be a 19, $20 million player in this league. And he deserves it because he is top five, six and almost every single rushing category. So, I mean, you, you can't – you have to buy rushers. Those guys are expensive. Yeah, he's better in advanced metrics, which yeah. helps him. So. And he's going to make a lot of money. The, the Jets aren't going to be able to afford him. If any team is going to pay him as a number one pass rusher, yeah, that'll be the case. You don't. You wouldn't? I No, I would. I, he had 10 sacks yeah. this year. Yeah. He had double-digit sacks. He would have been better. Remember, he's just developing. He's 25 years old. He's not even in the prime of his career yet. The Jets aren't going to be able to re-sign him. No, not especially if they're going to bring in Devontae Adams, too, in a trade. <laughs> There's no way. Well, they're going to have – there are metri- metrics that the Jets could actually have $65 million off the books. Okay. So they could get both of them. I just don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah, it's going to take a lot. <laughs> I it just – there's a lot of questions. And Justin Fields – I think teams should be lining up for Justin Fields because you're not going to have to give up a first-round for him, and nobody, nobody's going to trade a first-round draft pick for him because you're giving up on him, and you know that teams know that you're going to be desperate to get rid of him because he's got a rookie contract, and somebody's got to pay him. So, honestly, they're going to be teams lining up. The Patriots, the Atlanta Falcons. Atlanta should definitely look oh, yeah. at him. I honestly, I would bring in Justin Fields. Give up your second round draft pick. Bring in Justin Fields. Draft a wide, uh, draft a Atlanta over there. I would draft an offensive lineman, and then you solidify your line to protect Justin Fields, and go with the flow with that. Because, and then you bring in, uh, Bianami, <laughs> Eric Bianami. Bring in Eric Bianami. Bianami now has a quarterback he can work with. We've seen what he did with Sam Howell. I mean, everything and anything that you could put together on the success story of the Atlanta Falcons is 
bringing in a guy like Justin Fields and solidifying that offensive line because you have B. John Robinson, you have wide receivers, you have arguably the best tight end that was never used in the last four yep. years in Kyle Pitts, who everybody – and by the way, the Cowboys are going to be smacking themselves in the head because last year they could have traded a first-round draft pick to bring him in. He, could you imagine Kyle Pitts on this offense? Mm-hmm. I mean, Ferguson's turned into a star. I mean, well, he's not a star, but he – He's a good tight end. He's one of the top ten tight ends in the league. So, I, I mean, could you imagine Kyle Pitts on that offense? Mm-hmm. It's stupid. It, real dumb. By the, but that is the Cowboys. <laughs> uh, we, we can get into that, uh, but we're not going to – we don't have a full show enough to get into that. Uh, ESPN reports that the Miami Heat head coach Eric Spolstra has signed a record-setting eight-year $120 million contract. This is the most total money ever given to a head coach in North American sports history. Spolstra's contract previously broke the record set by Monty Williams when he signed with the Pistons this offseason. The Pistons, however, are 3-34 and this season. That won't last that long. <laughs> Spolstra has coached 16 seasons in the NBA and has 725 regular season wins, 19th in NBA history. Spolstra is fifth all-time in playoff wins with 109, has won two NBA championships, and has four other finals appearances, including two recently as a five-seed and eight-seed. The Heat are 21-15 and 15 this season, tied for fifth in the Eastern Conference with... The New York Knicks. So, actually, the New York Knicks won the other No, day. I think the Knicks are half a game up on them Yes, now. Yeah. they actually jumped from yesterday. But congratulations, by the way, to Leon Rose. Mm-hmm. Congratulations, Tim, for all the haters out there that can't stand Leon Rose. He's a terrible GM. Well, he added Jalen Brunson with an uh, affordable contract. He made He signed R.J. Barrett, which then traded that contract away to bring in O.G. Ananobi, and he has been nothing but a winning player because the Knicks are right now on a hot streak that won five games in a row since the new year and haven't lost. And by the way, haven't just, just snuck by these teams. He, they have pulverized oh, these yeah. teams. So, and good teams. All right. They've beaten Minnesota. They beat the 76ers. It's not like they're just playing crap teams. They ran a, they, Minnesota's the number one team in the NBA with the number one record at the, t- at the time they yep. beat them. Okay, and then they beat the 76ers who are ahead of them and is one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. And they didn't just beat them. They smacked them around. But Eric Spolstra, I believe, is just an unbelievable NBA mind. And Pat Riley has a lot of credit to give to really developing this guy because this guy was a video guy. He was sitting for years watching video and. You know, sending the videos down to Pat Riley when he was coaching uh, so he can go over certain plays and certain, you know, offenses to defenses and, and scoping out and really watching the strengths of some of these teams and some of these coaches and what they like to run. And then he moved in as an assistant coach. He was right there on the bench with Stan Van Gundy and all those other other great coaches over the years under Pat Riley and finally got a shot. And he had the opportunity to coach LeBron James, which is not so bad. And Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh and went on a, an NBA tear for, what, five years with those three guys? 
And then LeBron decides to flee and go back to the Cavaliers and try to win a championship, which he did, by the way. And Spolstra was still winning. Still winning with a young team, untalented team, and got him in the playoffs mm-hmm. with players, uh, uh, Shabazz Napier, yep. okay? Shabazz Napier. I remember the name because I remember what he did in the national championship for the Yukon Huskies. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. He was unbelievable. Seven seed. Unbelievable. And LeBron was like, this guy's the next Steph Curry. This guy's going to be great. Coincidentally, the year he left. <laughs> he gets drafted by Miami. How did that work? Didn't work much, but he was the, he helped that team to get into the playoffs, even though that guy never became Steph Curry. Never. So, I think that you look at a guy like Eric Spolstra, you have to look at the big picture here. Now, he did coach Team USA this past summer. They didn't play well. But to teach defense to players that don't know or don't understand the value of defense because you're not playing under his style of game, well, that hurts. I mean, it took it took R.J. Barrett a little while to learn under Tom Thibodeau, and then he became a pretty solid defender. Even Julius Randle, crazy to say this, he's become a better defensive player since he's gone to the Knicks. So it's, it's all a matter of the coach. It's all a matter of what these guys were embedded as assistants, as guys that studied the game when they were younger, and then how they developed and, and, and got to the position that they are, and now making hundreds of millions of dollars. So Eric Spolster deserves a lot of credit. I think the guy is by far the best coach, and I don't want to hear about Greg Popovich. Greg Popovich coached great teams, great players. David Robertson, the admiral. He was one of the best centers of all time. Avery Johnson wasn't something to sneeze at either. <laughs> he was a pretty good player. He talked a lot. Yes. Had a very weird accent, but he was fun to watch. I could go up and down these rosters. Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker, all these guys. And by the way, he hasn't won. Kawhi Leonard. He hasn't won since those guys completely disappeared and retired or decided to flee the organization. So what does that tell you about Greg Popovich? So I don't want to hear about Greg Popovich. He's the best coach in the NBA. He's not. He had the number one pick this year in Webinyama. What has he done this year? I'm not saying he's not a good player. He's averaging 18 points. And, and about nine rebounds, he's not a bad player. He's a good player. They just have nothing else, and they only have five wins because of it. And, and not only that, when you have a player of that magnitude, when they got Tim Duncan the way they did, they started to win right away. Mm-hmm. Started to win right away. What does that tell you about Greg Popovich? Maybe it's everything's passed him by. That's what happens. You get older. You're not as hungry anymore. And I'm not saying that's with Greg Popovich. I'm not, I'm not making... Any assumptions to say that he's not a good coach anymore, he should retire. What I'm saying is, Eric Spolstra is what you want your coach to be now in the NBA. He is still fairly young. He's in his 40s, late 40s. He's still fairly young, has so much to give to the NBA. And Miami knew 
that if they didn't sign him to an eight-year, $120 million deal, somebody would have. Yeah, unique trajectory for Spolstra, too. He comes in as the video coach. He was with LeBron. That was the reason he got the job. He had a good connection with LeBron when he came in, and he obviously won those championships over there, lost a couple others, but still, they were the dynasty of the NBA at that time until LeBron left, and then all of a sudden, everyone else got old. But since then, the Miami Heat only missed the playoffs once, which is incredible to think. Now, I'm not saying they were a championship contender every year, but they've been a championship contender as a five seed and an eight seed in the last four years. They very easily could have beaten the Lakers in that 2020 uh, finals. They ended up losing late, but still, they brought, put together teams with a lot of day two draft picks, mid first round draft picks, which is very hard to do in today's NBA. You look at these generational talent type prospects that have changed the NBA for now the modern era. A lot of those guys were top-end guys, probably outside of Nikola Jokic, who was a second-round pick, and Giannis, who was a mid-first-round pick. A lot of those guys are... Kawhi? Either, yeah, Kawhi. Yeah, Kawhi, as his prime, was that kind of way, too. But Green? And now, you look at Miami, what they're doing it. Tyler Hero was a... a Manuel like, Quigley? I can name a bunch of guys. Devin Booker fell, too, Okay, in the draft. But... The guys that you consider the elite of the elite are a lot of those guys are top top ten picks. And Eric Spolstra has done it with the guys that are mostly mid first round picks and now second round picks too. And you look at some of those guys that he had on his finals teams last year that got big contracts from other teams for what he did. And that is not to be taken lightly for the a lot of these coaches. You know, you know what's so funny? And a lot of people believe that, that 1 through 10, if you're 1 through 10, you have a better chance of being a good player in the NBA, which is so untrue. If you look at the last 10 years and and who was drafted and who wasn't, I guarantee you, I would say 7 or 8 of them are super, superstars, and they weren't drafted in the top 10. Seven, 7 of them are like the best of the best in the NBA. They weren't drafted in the top 10. If you're drafted in the top 10, you're insinuating to believe, to think that these players are going to be amongst the best in the league or the best players in that draft. And it never happens in the NBA. In the NBA. Ask the Knicks. Ask the 76ers. That's I the mean, main way. Except for the Embiid. Knicks. Except for Embiid. With the, they had the great Ben Simmons and the great Markel Fultz. In the, in, since, the, since 99, the Knicks have had top 10 picks probably 13, 14 times. 13, 14 times. Yeah, they had two in one year. And, and the flopped. only at three, they had three in the first round. Oh, that's true. Yeah, even further back. Yeah. Yeah, they had three in the first round. I remember that, by the way. No, none of them were good. David Lee was good. I mean, there were a couple of good ones, but they never stayed there and they never developed into stars. I mean, the only good one that they brought in over the years that they drafted was R.J. Barrett, and they just moved him. Mm-hmm. So it, it, there, again, you have to look at these things. And, and I, I understand this. In the NBA, and I'll, I'll say this again, it, 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 everybody thinks in the NFL it's the way you draft. It's all about the quarterback. That's not true. As you saw this year, it wasn't the year of the quarterback, was it? It was the year of the defense. The best defenses are going to be in the Super Bowl this year. I guarantee it. And that's the way that's the way football is worked. Everybody thinks, oh, the quarterback, the quarterback. Yeah, because you see the Jets without the quarterback, you can't win. <laughs> they don't matter how good your defense is. And you don't have a guy that can throw the ball. You don't have the guy that can make the plays or see the plays for what they are before it even happens. You're not gonna win. But again, in the playoffs, it's different because if you can run the ball, run the clock, play defense, you give yourself a chance. So when you look at and obviously the NBA, the NBA is different. The NBA is get the two best players on the team on a roster 
you have a chance to win at least you move your chances of winning from probably 30% to 65, 66% in the NBA. It's crazy how two players could absolutely change that. Now, Kawhi Leonard, he went to Toronto. Did anybody think Toronto was going to win the NBA championship that year? Nobody did. They weren't. And that was Siakam was just becoming a good young player. Just becoming it. At the tail end of the season, they make a trade and they bring in Kawhi Leonard because he wanted out of San Antonio. And then that guy with Siakam took that team all the way to the finals, surprised everybody, took them to the finals and surprised the world winning the NBA championship. Beating the Bucks too before that was a big shock in the Sixers round. Kawhi Leonard, that. man. Yeah. And it's crazy. And it's crazy how three, you know, two athletic players and and a couple of youthful slash veteran point guards can get you over the hump. So, mm-hmm. the NBA it's just different. It's not like the NFL. It's not like the NHL. NHL you get a hot goaltender, your defense is right. playing well, and, and you're scoring weird goals and and you're scoring on the power play. You got a chance to win. It don't matter how. Look at the Florida Panthers yep. last year. They had no business going to the finals last year. They were another Cinderella teams, a.k.a. 1996 with Van Beesbrook, the year of the rat. So they didn't win, but you bump into teams that just go on these hot streaks. In the NBA, you kind of know who's going to be good and who's going to suck. And maybe there'll be one team that appears out of nowhere to be Somewhat good because of the coach and the youth of the important positions at the guard and shooting guard position. Mm-hmm. And there's not a lot of good coaches in the NBA either. And that's why that's what makes Eric Spolster probably six. Yeah, there's not many. And I don't all. think Tom Thibodeau's one of them. So. Tom, yeah, Tom Thibodeau's kind of on that fringe. He's like good one year, bad. The I next, would say he's one. a top ten. Yeah, Tom's yeah, he's a top right. ten. That's I fair. would say eight. Yeah, that's fair. But like, there's not a lot of good coaches, and that's what makes finding somebody like Eric Spolstra so tough as it is to have that kind of stability. And that's not taking a shot at Tom Thibodeau. For, no. for all the fans out there thinking that I'm taking, I was the one that wrote a story a year before yep. who the Knicks should go after, and I'm going to say it again: Kenny Atkinson is the guy that the the Knicks should absolutely go after in the offseason. If they get knocked out of the first round, I understand how good Tom Thibodeau has been, and they have a win. They never – Tom Thibodeau has never taken this team to an Eastern Conference Finals. And it, it's, they're just never going to get over the hump. They need a young guy to come in there. And by the way, Kenny Atkinson got off of that Charlotte job. He didn't take it. <laughs> he didn't take it. Why? Because he knew what was going on with that organization. Michael it's Jordan Michael, Michael Jordan decided to sell his rights to the team, his 51 52% of, uh, of the stock, because he didn't want it anymore. He made – Made out on it, by the way. Made a lot of money. Three point five billion is a crazy number. Michael Jordan, yeah. a great businessman, by the way. But and he didn't want to go over there because he knew he was going to fail. I just think that Kenny Atkinson's waiting for that the right team to pounce on. I think it's always been the Knicks. He grew up a Knicks fan. He grew up here in Long Island in New York. It would make a lot of sense. But you need the right coach. That's what I'm saying right here, and and that's what you need to do. And at Kawhi Leonard. Uh, is, I believe, a transitional player. And I think he can absolutely, absolutely help, uh, you know, this team. And I'm going to get into this, by the way, because I never got a chance to talk about this. Mm -hmm. The the Athletic reports that Kawhi Leonard signed a three-year, $152.4 million contract extension to stay with the Clippers. 
Woj reports that uh, Kawhi will make $52 million the first season and $50 million each of the next two seasons, which is ridiculous. Yeah. And his deal does not include a player option. Leonard will forego his $48.8 million player option and sign into this deal beginning next season. This will be his last deal, by the way, his last big one. Woj also reports that the Clippers and Paul George are negotiating a long-term deal with big mistake and says that the Clippers want to keep him, uh, keep the two of them together. George also has a $48.8 million player option next season before becoming a free agent in the following year. Clip The Clippers were already $128.4 million over the luxury tax after trading for James Harden as well. The Clippers are currently 23-13, and 13, and they're fourth in the Western Conference. The Clippers are dangerous, not because of James Harden <laughs> or Russell Westbrook or Paul George. It's because of Kawhi Leonard. And Kawhi Leonard is probably the healthiest he's been in a very long time. Since that championship run with Toronto. And then he's been out. He's been sidelined for two years. Last year he came back. He played like 48 games, 49 games. He didn't play a lot. Uh, He wasn't 100% healthy playing at the full speed of the NBA. He's back, guys. Kawhi Leonard. I I think Kawhi Leonard is one of the best players in the league when when 100% healthy. He's one of the best playoff players. And you, you can't buy defense. This guy can play and defend multiple positions. He is the closest thing to Magic Johnson defensively I have seen in the NBA. Everybody keeps saying LeBron James because he defended. LeBron was a great defender, but he's not as good as this guy. This guy's hands are the size of King Kong's, man. I I, I met Shaquille O'Neal, okay? Shaq says that Kawhi Leonard, who's probably about seven or eight inches smaller than he is, nine inches smaller than him, has their hands are almost identical. Could you imagine a guy that's six foot eight that has hands the size of Shaquille O'Neal's? That's ridiculous. That's inhuman. I mean, sweetie, he'd probably grab your crotch. You wouldn't even know it. I mean, seriously. Am I right? I wouldn't rule it out. Why? You, you, you think Kawhi would do that? No, I don't, but I, would, I wouldn't rule out not feeling I mean, it. I'm, I'm, you would feel it, by the way. I mean, those big hands, those big paws on it. Yeah, I don't mind. then I'll go numb. <laughs> Damn well we'll go numb. Yeah. But anyways, uh, yeah, Kawhi Leonard is, is at the top of his game right now. He's making a lot of money, ladies and gentlemen. And I, I think he deserves I don't mock anybody making the money. I don't, I don't attack anybody that's getting the money. If, if the owners or, or the team wants to pay him that money, so be it. They're idiots. But I, I, I think that he, everybody believes that Kawhi Leonard was leaving the Clippers if they didn't re-sign him. And, and, and honestly, if I were the Clippers right now, if this team doesn't get over the hump with this team, you trade Kawhi Leonard in the offseason. You have control. There are teams that will line up for Kawhi Leonard right now. Line up. The Knicks? You kidding me? They have money? They'll line up to get Kawhi Leonard. 100%. He's a game changer. Paul George stinks. I don't know what this team and this organization is thinking. And James Harden, too, man. That beer probably has more lice in it than anything in somebody else's hair when they do have lice. Okay? He does, lo- he does like to go to strip bars. Maybe he hangs out with uh, John Morant. Maybe. I mean. He just doesn't bring a gun. I, I, I mean, Adam's sitting there very calmly. Ready to attack. So why don't we go to a quick break? We love this guy, by the way. We have coming up next, ladies and gentlemen, CBS Sports Editorial Director Adam Silverstein here 
on the Sports Loudmouth. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouth. Six three one six seven two thirty one zero eight is the number to call. You're listening to the Sports Loudmouth. I am the Loudmouth. My name is Errol Marks. My co-host, Speeder. He's speeding around, not around, a wound. You know, a wound, a wound, like like the Wefflees. You <laughs> like that? Oh, I knew you liked that, Speedy. Anyways, go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week, including the Loudmouth, which airs every single Wednesdays and Thursdays at 7 p.m. All you have to do to tune in and listen to our shows, all the local listings, you go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. And now, ladies and gentlemen, very happy to have him on again. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we are speaking to CBS Sports Editorial Director, our... Adam Silverstein. Uh, it's been quite a first, what is it, nine days, ten days yes. of uh, 2024 already. So it's been pretty freaking wild. <sighs> it's been pretty wild for me. I mean, I'm flying tomorrow. I'm going to Toronto, enjoying the nice, beautiful snow weather over there, Niagara Falls. You know, it'll be fun. It'll, it'll be something to look at. Uh, but uh, there's one thing that isn't very good or very fun to look at. And that's a guy that I am not too fond of, ladies and gentlemen. And you know who he is. And that is Jim Harbaugh. Okay? I am not a big Jim Harbaugh fan. But I preach what he has done for this Michigan Wolverine team. In the last three years, he's got this Wolverine team playing at the top of the college you know, NCAA, you know, list of great teams. But uh, this year they finally break through, and now he seems like he's on his way, waving goodbye like Pete Carroll. Isn't this a dink? Pete Carroll, who did it to USC 14 years ago, and now Jim Harbaugh doing it to Michigan and the Wolverines. What are your thoughts to the national champion Michigan Wolverines knocking off Washington? And now where do you believe Jim Harbaugh is heading? Yeah, you know, great questions both. Um, Watching that national championship game Monday night, uh, Michigan was great. You know, dominated both lines of scrimmage, have dominated up front all year, great defensive team, you know, great running game, not such a great passing game. You know, the question is, was this Michigan season? Did Washington kind of let it go a little bit? There were two touchdowns, Michael Penix Jr., who I do think was the best at the quarterback position, Jaden Daniels, by far the best player, deserving of Heisman Trophy. But he was the best quarterback all year, missed two easy touchdowns uh, in the first half. What does that game look like if those balls get caught and are thrown better? I don't have the answer to that. What I know is Michigan's a deserving champion. Jim Harbaugh, like you said, incredible turnaround over the last few seasons after it really looked like his tenure with the Wolverines was coming to an end pretty damn quick after that COVID-19 season in Mm -hmm. 2020. Now you're saying, hey, where does he go? Does he stay? Does he go? It's so tough, man. Like, does he want to be potentially the next Nick Saban? I don't know that Michigan can win at the same clip that Alabama did, especially we have the expanded playoff coming in. It's going to be much tougher to win a national championship. But if there was ever a Michigan man trademark, quote unquote, like it's Harbaugh. So it's almost difficult to see him in a position other than leading that team, wearing that block M cap. But what's crazy about this NFL hiring cycle, and this is really what you're getting at, it'd be one thing if just the Chargers were open. You know, just like you got Justin Herbert, real talented team out there, needs that defensive improvement that Harbaugh can bring, that hard-nosed 
type of ball that his brother has brought to the Baltimore Ravens. But it's not just the Chargers. You got the Seahawks open, West Coast team, super talented, great culture under Pete Carroll. The Raiders job is open. They badly want him in Las Vegas. And, I mean, look, Chicago kept Eberflus. If that had opened, then Harbaugh to the Bears almost would have been a no-brainer. So it's almost difficult to see him staying when all these jobs are open. And this is what I was telling some people earlier. If he does not take an NFL job this hiring cycle, then I do think he's at Michigan long-term. And Washington, forget about them. They get the number two pick. They could, they get the pick. Commanders, yeah. absolutely. They, they, have, they could get a quarterback at number two. He could solidify himself. He brings the quarterback of his choosing. Uh, well, Caleb Williams or Drake May will probably go one, and the other one's going two. So he can have one or the other, and he could develop that quarterback. And they still have Sam Howell there that Biennemi has really uh, you know developed. And, and by the way, yeah. if, if – could the NFL actually open up their eyes now? I mean, some of these owners and GMs open up their eyes. Eric Bieniemy is a great coach. He is going to be a great NFL coach. Ask Patrick Mahomes how he feels about his team and that offense this year. And, and Nagy, I don't want to hear about Nagy. Nagy is so overrated as an offensive coordinator. He, he completely Amazing. choked in Chicago. And he goes back over there kissing because he was the reason why Patrick Mahomes was drafted. Give me a break. Nagy belongs at Patrick Mahomes' rear end. Okay? That's about it. He should be licking, cleaning, whatever the hell it is over there so he can get another you know, job in the NFL as a, as a head coach. He's never going to get one. And anybody that believes it, Josh McDaniels, it took him, what, 10 years to do that? <laughs> I mean, seriously, it, it, it's just horrible. But nevertheless, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I, yeah. I think Washington's a team that could absolutely Harris is a guy that has deep pockets and he'd give Jim Harbaugh whatever he wanted. Yeah, I mean, if you want an open book type of situation, maybe it is Washington which needs to make a huge splash. I mean, a lot of people forget that college coaches get paid more than NFL coaches. Mm. And the college job is also way, way harder. Not on a week-to-week basis in terms of coaching in-game and beating other opponents. NFL's unmatched. It's extremely difficult. But college is truly a year-round coaching game, especially now. Recruiting, transfer portal, NIL, it's almost impossible. I tweet all the time. I call college football a hellscape. It is, and it's only going to get worse. These coaches, many of them, not all of them, many of them don't want to be there. If NFL jobs come coming for them or come calling for them, they will be taking them. Simple as that. Harbaugh, though, he might be that one exception just because it's Michigan just because it's his alma mater and just because he's finally had success, maybe the other exception would be Kirby Smart at Georgia for the same reason. Hmm. Yeah, but what about Harbaugh, regardless of if he leaves to the NFL or not? What do you think will end up being next for Michigan, what, these other sanctions that could possibly go down, and also new teams coming over the Big Ten? Are they going to be that same level of a powerhouse, you think? Yeah, I think Michigan has taken the stance of F you, you know, <laughs> like – Okay, so what are you going to do to us? You're going to give us a couple violations? Like, fine, we'll deal with them and we'll keep going. We support Harbaugh. He's our guy. He's going to win us the title. And if he leaves and those, you know, anything comes down next year, they'll deal with it because guess what? They just won their first national title since 1997. That's where they wanted to get back to. And he's also set up the program extremely well. Don't forget, he was suspended six games this year. They won all six games, most of them in dominant fashion, right? So they have Sean Moore who's sitting there, and I don't know – that he would t- get the job if Harbaugh leaves, but he has four wins with that team this year. They love him. They support him. It would make a lot of sense. What was the second part of that question? I'm sorry. I was going to say, like, the outlook of, like, new teams coming into the Big Ten. Do you think there'll be more parity because of that? It'll be tougher? 
I mean, if Harbaugh leaves, sure. You know, it's it's always difficult when there's that two-headed monster on top of a conference, which Michigan and Ohio State have been for the Big Ten for so long. I mean, look at Penn State, like legit program, legit coach, talented players, but they are a far distant number three to Michigan and Ohio State. So you got all these other programs coming in. And it's like, okay, Oregon, you had a lot of success. Washington, you've had a lot of success recently. USC is USC and UCLA is UCLA. But are they going to just jump right into the Big Ten and be on top of the league? Maybe. Like maybe the current incarnation of Oregon under Dan Lanning could do that. But Dan Lanning, by the time we talk next, or by the time you guys do a show Monday, he could be Alabama's coach. So what <laughs> happens to Oregon when that happens, right? Mm -hmm. And what happens to their uh, ability to contend in the Big Ten? So I, I think that, you know, they are bringing in significant programs and they will compete and they will win Big Ten titles and have success. Will that happen immediately in 2024? I don't think so. We are talking to CBS Sports Editorial Director, our Adam Silverstein. You know, Adam, you mentioned Nick Saban, and I, I think the greatest college coach in NCAA history. Uh, honestly, you win seven national championships. He is the Bill Belichick of this era and at, at you know, the NCAA. And, and like you said, the NCAA, it's just harder to be a coach here because you got to do the recruiting. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to bring in coach after coach. Everybody's going, all your coaches are going somewhere as a head coach. Da, 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 da. Sat a ton of them. And now you're sitting here, he decides to step down, which I predicted after you heard this story, I predicted Nick Saban was going to step down, win or loss. And that's why I believe the committee wanted Alabama to make it because they knew that Nick Saban was leaving. I, I really believe it. I think that because Georgia was the best team in the country. I don't care what anybody says. Georgia should have been there. And Georgia, and I'll, I say this, they beat my Seminoles. They absolutely destroyed them. But it, they embarrassed them, okay? But uh, I, and Jeff wants to open his mouth. But I, I was just so pissed off. I don't want to get into that. But you know, Kirby, Kirby Smart is a guy that a lot of people believe should take that Alabama job. He, he's, he comes from the Alabama regime. He comes from Nick Saban. He's the mastermind of that Georgia Bulldog team. Do you believe that somehow the Alabama Crimson Tide prize Georgia's and their coaching and their superstar coach, Kirby Smart, away to coach the Alabama Crimson Tide? No. Mm. There's no chance. No it's his alma mater. He loves it. He's built it into the next Alabama in many ways. And Alabama is a lure for, I mean, most coaches that they're, they can pretty much have their pick, but there's a couple who they don't have their pick from. And mm. Kirby smart is one of them. It's, it's not that look, if Georgia was in a different spot, if he didn't get along with the administration, if he struggled to bring in transfers because of, academic requirements if if there were things like that lingering out there right. then i would say you know what maybe it's possible but they love him he loves them uh they were this close to winning a third straight national championship mm -hmm. this year if they beat alabama in that sec championship game they win the whole i don't thing. know if michigan wins the national title no i think they win the whole thing i yeah, mean they probably win the whole thing. And, and it's crazy because they're the list and i but here's the thing the, the guy that I've been saying, and I've been saying it for four years. Speedy's been on this show for five years with me, my producer, my lead guy, on you know, on the board and everything like that, my, my co-host. The funny thing is, as Speedy will tell you, I said if, if Nick Saban ever leaves, Dabo Sweeney is going to get that job. I've been saying it forever 
that he, that's his alma mater. That's where he wants it. That's where he would always wanted to coach. From Birmingham? Uh, yes. Dabo Sweeney, I believe, is going to get that job. I, I do believe it. He's going to leave Clemson, and he's going to go over there. What are your thoughts to Dabo Sweeney becoming the new Alabama Crimson Tide coach? So if you asked me this question three years ago, I would have said I totally agree with you because there's, there is a ceiling at Clemson, unlike at Alabama, where they are the ceiling, you know, pretty much. Um, there would have been many reasons for Dabo to leave. He has done a great job over there. They've had immense success. But that program has fallen off over the last couple of years. And it's to the point where it's not that they can't get it back. It's not that Dabo's not capable of being a great coach again and recruiting the way they need to recruit and winning the games they need to win. But if you're Alabama and you're looking to replace Nick Saban, I don't think you want to do it with a guy who is not necessarily on a downward slope, but looks like he might be on a downward slope in his career. Their other top option, as far as I'm concerned, is Oregon's Dan Lanning. Hmm. You're talking about a 37-year-old guy who, I don't have the record in front of me, but it's something like 25 and six or 25 and five over the last two years. Uh, his only losses this year at all were to that Washington team that finished as a runner up. Um, and that's again, with limited recruiting time with that program experience under Saban experience under smart. He is the leading candidate. Many say, and I do believe he probably has the best chance to be an Alabama coach. But I think what a lot of people forget is when Alabama fired Mike Shula and they needed to decide who they were going to hire. There wasn't initially much percolation about Nick Saban. He was the coach of the Miami Dolphins. Things were going decent. They picked the wrong quarterback. It's another story. It's my team. Dante Culpepper over Drew Brees will never make sense to me in a million years. But but uh, there wasn't much thought about that initially. And then all of a sudden, like a week later, the media started talking about it. And that was during the season. And Saban promised, I'm the Miami Dolphins coach. I haven't spoken to Alabama. And then it wasn't that long before he left. There are coaches in the NFL right now who would be interested in the Alabama head coaching job. And there are, there are people at Alabama that don't mind going back into the NFL for a coach, not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying it happened last time. Arthur Smith. And I love the word <laughs> percolating, man. You, you used, you did, you did, uh, what's his name again? Now, uh, hold on, hold on. Um, Oh, who was he? Uh, yes, Walt Clyde Frazier. I, I, I'm not as verbose as Walt. Come on, do it one time with us. Give us that. You're percolating. Come on, give it to us. The neophyte is percolating down the rim. Ah, there you go. Adam Silverstein. I'm loving it. No, Clyde's, Clyde's the man. Yes, Couldn't even is. match him if I wanted to. Oh, that's true. That, I, 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 there's only two Clydes that I could remember that I even want to talk. Walt Clyde Frazier and Clyde the Glide. Okay, yep. that's it. That's it. That's, That's it. it. You can't be Clyde unless you're one of those two. Agree? There you go. That's yeah. it. That's so speaking it. of NFL coaches, uh, there have been a wild yeah. rumors in the cycle so far. Obviously, Bill Belichick being the big one, but also yeah. Jim Harbaugh, also Eric Bieniemy, like and me. I'm up there. <laughs> oh, you're you're gonna you're gonna go uh, take over for the New England Patriots. They were they were speaking about me. I'm one of those undertone guys that everybody keeps speaking about, but they're not really throwing my name out there yet. But if you know Eric Bieniemy strikes out again, you're gonna hear this name. Errol Marks, and nobody's going to know who the hell he is, but I'm going to pop out of nowhere, and, you know, there I am. I'll be out I, of a – I say it all the time. If, you're, if they're looking to spend $6 million on a coach, I'll take three 
and I will not throw goal line fades. <laughs> what else do you need? Like, okay, so you'll be my you'll be my offensive coordinator. I wish yeah. you coached the Giants in 2016 because that's all Ben McAdoo would do is throw goal line fades. Speedy will be my defensive coordinator. Could you imagine this coaching staff? They're going to be looking at us like, uh, how tall are you guys? <laughs> <laughs> so, what are your thoughts on all the coaching rumors that are going around right now between the Patriots, the Chargers, and all these other teams that have these vacancies? Yeah, it, it's wild, man. Um, there, there's a lot of talented dudes out there. I'm kind of wondering what Dan Quinn's going to do, the defensive coordinator for the Cowboys. Uh, what we have seen from that defensive unit over the last couple of years has been incredible. Obviously flamed out a little bit with the Falcons. I think people forget it got them to the Super Bowl, mm. right? Like they flamed out. They lost to Bill Belichick. Like mm. it happens. You know what I mean? Um, so landing, I'm uh, not landing. I'm sorry. Quinn, I'm real curious about. And there's a lot of, seen a lot of these coordinator names get thrown around, you know, you never know with some of these offensive coordinators, like you bring them in and they have high powered offenses and you think that's going to translate and they flame out. Look at Adam Gase as a perfect example. I dealt with him. Uh, are you right? still, are you I still with this? Are you still with this? He's a Dolphins fan. I'm a yeah. Dolphins fan. And I had, I had to, to I had to deal with it too. I had to yeah, deal with it too. Let him vent. You get to vent all the time. How about, about I, drop, how about I drop Cam Cameron on your ass? There you go. Deal with that. Dude, well. dude, you could drop whoever you want with the New York Jets. <laughs> the only thing they're be, they're going to be dropping in the offseason is deuces. That's it. I mean, I, it makes me sick to my stomach. I want to throw up. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's a wild coach, coaching carousel this cycle. And, again, with these jobs opening up, and we still don't know about New England, right? Mm. What does Belichick do? What do they do? They have Vrabel sitting out there right now. Are they going to hire Vrabel? He could be a candidate at Alabama. You, people forget. He has a college coaching background before he even went to the NFL. Um, but there's big names. I'm assuming Tomlin stays with the Steelers. But yes, what if, what if, you know, like, what if that happened? Um, it, who knows where this is going to go? The only it's way to be just as wild as the playoffs. The only, I'm sorry to cut you off. The only, and no. by the way, we are talking to CBS sports editorial director, our Adam Silverstein, not CBS, our Adam <laughs> Silverstein, just so you know, CBS. Yes, he's ours. Um, you know, it, it's so funny when you look at the coaching situation and, and you bring up all these coaches and you're trying to wonder, well, this guy could become available. That guy become can become available. And then you're hearing Josh McDaniels could go back to New England if Bill Belichick wants to stay there. Who the hell cares about Josh McDaniels? I mean, that guy's a, is uh, he's as wet as a dirty turd coming out of somebody's ass. I mean, seriously. I, I mean, if you look at where this league is, I mean – there's a lot of questions of who guys. I mean, Campbell looks like he's somewhat of a coach. Now the, the kid Johnson wants $15 million to be to be a head coach in the NFL. Who the hell are you? I mean, Ben Ben Johnson, have anybody heard of you before you went to the Lions? I mean, ridiculous craziness. But everybody's looking for that new guy. And, and the guy that really stood out to me this year is your coach, Mike McDaniels. Yeah. That's the guy. I call him Mr. Smurf. I think he's so funny. I've been mm-hmm. I, I'm waiting for Hard Knocks to be completely over so I can watch episode to episode. I love the guy. I I that guy is some personality. He has to stand on a stool to talk to people. That's the funniest thing I ever see. Like when he goes up to the the uh, podium, you see him step on something. <laughs> it's like like books, you know, like the old um uh, what do they call them? Uh, the phone books. Remember the old phone mm-hmm. books? And they stack them up. That's what I think they do to him, man. <laughs> it is the funniest thing. And he goes up there. He, You know he's never played football in his life. You can tell the guy's never. He, he looked like he, if, if he got hit by any of these guys, he'd be dead. But he could run. 
And he understands how to run an offense better than anybody I've seen in a very long time. This yeah. guy understands the game. He sees the game in a scientific way. And I, I think this guy, it, and I'm not saying this, I'm not a Dolphin. I can't stand the Dolphins. <laughs> this guy is the next guy that people are going to try to want to mimic in the future. I, I think he's special. I really like him. I wish he was the Jets head coach, honestly. I can't stand the Dolphins, man. It makes me <laughs> sick. You know, we all we work in sports media and we, we are we're unbiased, you know, mostly, mm. but we share our opinions. We have our favorite teams, right? Yes. And I've gone through my life with a lot of awesome coaches that I've been able to root for. Joe Torrey, mm. Billy Donovan, mm-hmm. Jeff Van Gundy, yep. huge fan of Jeff Van Gundy, uh, Don Shula. Yep. OK, uh, Urban Meyer, you know, for Florida. Mm-hmm. Mike McDaniel might be my favorite coach that's ever coached one of my teams. Mm. And it's not about on field success, which the Dolphins are having. Yes. And. People are criticizing them down the stretch of the season. I think they don't realize that a third of the team is injured and (laughs) a good portion of those players are on IR and they're pro bowlers. Like, they're some of the best players in the league that aren't playing for this team right now. Um, But what he has been able to do with this franchise, what he's been able to do with Tua Tungavailoa, it's remarkable. And he's only in year two. And the Dolphins, I mean, really, they should have won the AFC East. They didn't. The Titans game just absolutely torpedoed the season, plus all the injuries I was talking about. Um, But this is a team that probably should have won the AFC East. They've won 11 games for the first time, and I can't even tell you. Um, (laughs) In my decades of being a Dolphins fan, this is by far the best season I've ever experienced. So anyone who doesn't want Mike McDaniel to remain Miami's coach next year or beyond, you're a moron, number one. If you don't want Tua to be the the Dolphins quarterback, and maybe that's a – uh, an opinion you guys have shared. I don't know. Maybe you don't like to, and maybe you do, but he's the NFL leading passer. Mm. I don't want him going anywhere. If you have to sign him in two years from now, it's a bad signing. Let it be a bad signing two years from now. Okay. He's the guy. McDaniel's the guy. Honestly, I think Mike, Mike Big- any harder for either of them. I think Mike McDaniel's to me is the coach of the year. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah. yeah. I think he is. I I've watched enough of this guy and he's so funny too. the things that he says on the field I, I've been waiting. I, I, I don't like watching. I've got to wait after the, the next two weeks, of the next week to see Hard Knocks. I'm going to wait until it's completely over. I hate the dog, oh, okay. but I, I love Mike Mead. And I've watched coming attractions of him, speaking sure. to the players and, and some of the crazy stuff that comes out of his mouth. The guy is funny. He's – Yes, and you just – you see a little guy come right into the room. He's like five foot five, five foot six. He's small as hell, and he sits there with his with these glasses, these sunglasses. He wears his nice watch, and he wears his jumper suit. Okay, his pants up to his his uh, his his Achilles, yeah. his yeah. calves, or whatever. He, he's up there, and he wears these weird sneakers, and he runs up and down the field. Dude, he I've never seen. I've never seen somebody jet out of there after the half than than he does. I mean, it's so funny, man, and 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 just who he is as a person. I could only imagine what his family is and f- what his family's like. His father's probably like a Nobel Prize winner or something like that. <laughs> I mean, it, it's just it's unbelievable. It really is. I, I I've been extremely impressed with him this year and, and express, and I express that every single show. And I, again, I'm not a Miami dolphins fan. So uh, that's what you want. If the, if anybody is looking for a prototypical type of offensive minded coach, you go, you go look at Mike McDaniel staff and, and find that guy, because I think he's that next guy. He's the next coach that everybody. And if any, if the Dolphins ever fire him, the Jets better jump on top of that guy. Yeah. I mean, he, it's him. That's why Ben Johnson, that's one of the reasons why he's so 
people are so interested in him because th- he doesn't have the same characteristics. He's not as funny and personable and all that. But they're like, can we get that offensive genius? Can we get the next Sean McVay? Can we get the next Mike McDaniel? So that's why there's so much belief. And also, look, the Lions are doing great. Like, let's give them credit, right? They're having a fantastic season in their own right. Uh, but to what you said about him as coach of the year, I mean, look, by the end of the year, is he still, I mean, Stefanski has done a great job and, and uh, Houston, they've been fantastic. But like, man, what Mike McDaniel has done with this team, I, I, what, I, what, what bothers me more than the coach of the year conversation is the comeback player of the year conversation. Mm. Tua, they said, you should retire. You had three concussions. You should never play football again. Mm-hmm. You can't make it through a season healthy. You made it through a season healthy. He's the leading passer in the NFL. What more do you want? That's my. That's the soapbox I'm standing on. I agree. Tua with comeback you. player of the year. We're, we were joking about our caller Jeff before, and he he went out of the draft. He called Tua Hawaiian Tebow. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like like it's it, it's so funny how those two are equated together. And again, look, you can see the adult, the the Gator stuff everywhere. I went to Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, they are they are both the greatest dudes hmm. with the greatest families and fantastic upbringing. And I'm not religious, but they are. And like, good for them, you know, that they are and all that. Um, and people hate them. And it's like, okay, Tebow wasn't great in the league. That sucks. It's unfortunate. Yeah. He was hyped. Sure. Oh, yeah. Tua wasn't hyped like Tebow. No. And people still hate him. I don't get it. And by the way, and, and I see, I, I'm, I'm reading what Carl says on the, on the, the trail over here. He says, how is Houston's coach not the coach of the year, Errol? And I said, first of all, D'Amico Ryans deserves all the credit. D'Amico yes. Ryans has been a great pickup by the, Tex- the Texans. Uh, and, and, and the Texans had a great season. C.J. Strouds is an up-and-coming superstar quarterback. He is going to be there, and I think he's going to be special. Here's the reason why I don't believe D'Amico Ryan should win. He's in a division that there's a lot of questions, okay? We don't know what the Jaguars are. We don't. I mean, is Trevor Lawrence really that the guy that everybody thought he was going to be? It doesn't look like he is, okay? It doesn't. All right? The Tennessee Titans, I like Will Levis, but we have to see what they're going to do now that Mike Vrabel's not there. All right? I like the Colts. I like what the Colts did. I like their coach. I like everything that everything they're about. They don't have – we don't know what Richardson is. And now that Richardson hurt his shoulder – how is he going to come back from this? And how, what type of player is he going to be coming back from this? So we don't know who they are. So D'Amico Ryans is in a division that there's a state of fluster. It's like state of fluss. And, and I think right now, if I was voting, which I'm not, we had somebody that votes, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going with Mike McDaniels because he's in arguably the hardest division in football. It always is. I mean, it's not maybe not this year, but it should have been. I mean, the Jets, if they had Aaron Rodgers, it would have been the hardest division in football. You got to go through the Patriots and Bill Belichick. You got to go through the Buffalo Bills. You got to go through the craziness of the New York Jets and the crazy over there. That's the hardest division in football besides probably the Baltimore Ravens division. The AFC North. Every team in a winning record. Yeah, so... And, and the AFC East also played the NFC East. Yeah, I, I mean, it's just... I don't want to hear it. So, Mike McDaniels, to me, is coach of the year. And he should be up for it. I don't know if he is, but I think he is. Yeah, uh, he's, he's up for it. I think all, any of the three, for me, is fine. Like, yes. If it's Miko Ryan, if it's Kevin Stefanski, if it's Mike McDaniel, fine. I have my preference, but I accept the others. And and D'Amico Ryan did have an incredible... I mean, and, what, what Houston did... Yeah. With a rookie quarterback, yeah. uh, they mm-hmm. lost their starting running back for a while. Devin Singletary steps in for Damian Pierce again, Gator, uh, and and still they just kept going. The defense played way better towards the end of the year than it did at the front. But really, 
I think next year mm. is when D'Amico Ryan could definitely be coach of the year if they build upon what they did this year. The Texans might be special in 2020. Oh, they, they have special players. Dell Collins. I mean, these guys can catch. They can go up for the ball. If you're a fantasy guy, you definitely need to draft them in the first three rounds next year because they're, they're going to be big, big players next year. And and they have a good running game. I, I, I think they can run the ball. Pierce, they have weapons. And their defense played very well. I, Anderson started to pick up at the end of the year. I, I, I thought in the beginning of the year he was just like – I don't, yeah. I, I don't know what he was. And, but th- at the end of the year, we started to figure out what type of player he could be. We'll see what they can do uh, in the wild card game. It's definitely up in, you know, up in the air. You don't know what could happen in those wild card games. And, and it's, that, that's my question before we let you go. You look at these wild card games. This is the best. And I, I'm going to be in Toronto, ladies and gentlemen. So I'm going to miss at least one, maybe even two games. But I, I'm going to keep tabs on it. Trust me for the show on Wednesday and Thursday. So I don't want to hear you crap, Jeff, or any of you <laughs> dumbasses. Don't worry, at least you won't break the cruise ship on TV this all time. You, all you fans and you haters on freaking Twitter and everybody that wants to attack everything that I say, which I love, by the way. Keep it up, baby. Um, it, who do you have in the in the wild card games? What sticks out to you in the wild card games quickly? And and wh- who do you think could surprise everybody and, and maybe go deeper than we expect? Yeah. Um... Well, I mean, I could pick every game, but you know, I think you're looking for probably one team here. Yes. The there's something about these Cleveland Browns where well, there's two teams. One, I'll give you one AFC, one one NFC. There's something about the Cleveland Browns, the way they're playing with Joe Flacco, and I know it's it's wild. It's Joe Flacco. He was on his couch, right? He wasn't doing shit. He's all of a sudden back and leading this high-powered passing offense for what is a run-first team historically mm-hmm. with a fantastic defense. But defense travels. And if that D continues to play up to as well as it's played, and look, it's way better in Cleveland than it is on the road, there's a chance because of that they don't even win this first game against Houston. But I'm probably going to pick the Browns. They have a chance to surprise some people, especially, I don't know necessarily how the bracket shakes out, but they can beat the Bills. The Bills are nothing special. They can beat the Chiefs. Really the only team that I'm 100% sure can beat the Browns is the Ravens. Mm. So if, if they're, what are they, the five seed? And I'm saying they're, they're the, the five best. seed. So if the Dolphins beat the Chiefs, then they would play the Bills. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, exactly. So like Dolphins, I don't know what, what they are going to do with all the injuries. It's it's impossible to predict. What I do know is going to Arrowhead on a zero degree night, Andy Reid having two weeks of preparation or, or, you know, just extra time to prepare. You don't necessarily go pick the Dolphins there as much as I would love to say that, right? Mm. The Browns are the team, the wild card team that I think could get out of the AFC to the AFC championship game at least. And I wouldn't at all be surprised. On the NFC side, same exact take for the Los Angeles Rams. Mm -hmm. Love the way this offense is playing. Matthew Stafford, healthy. Cooper Cup, healthy. They weren't for a long time. Uh, They've broken out um, off the top of my head. If running back's name is completely... Kyron Williams. Kyron Williams. Kyron Williams, huge breakout player. Puka, obviously, doing mm-hmm. great. Uh, this is a team that plays the Detroit Lions in their first wild card game. Yes. Winnable. And if they beat the Lions, I mean, the Eagles are nothing. Uh, I don't even know who else they'd play. Again, they would play the 49ers or the Cowboys. Okay, so, so there you go. So Cowboys, beatable. 49ers, maybe not, right? So I'm, t- I'm talking about the Rams as the second or third best team in the NFC, despite being the sixth seed. And I'm talking about the Browns 
maybe being the second or third team, best team in the AFC despite being the five seed. And Sean McVay, some people thought was going to go to Amazon and take an eight, nine million dollars a year being an analyst, and he comes back and he yeah, finds he Puka yep. in the fourth or fifth round, and this guy becomes a superstar right in front of our eyes. It makes me sick. You see Cooper Cup get drafted in the fourth round. This guy gets drafted in the fifth round, and everybody's looking for that wide receiver. Oh, you get this guy in the first round, and they all freaking stink. They actually they pinpoint. I don't know if you saw there was a video published this week mm. uh, of their draft conversations around Puka. Sean McVay is basically like, "You give me this guy, or he's going to revolutionize our offense." Like he called it in the draft room. It's wild the way he operates. Wow, he he sees things that other people don't, and I'm yeah. not a Kyle Shanahan fan. I never was, and I, I don't think he knows how to win the big game. All right? He doesn't. Go look at him as, as, as an offensive coordinator for the Atlanta Falcons. He completely busted his own load, okay? I mean, there was a lot of loads he busted, but that load was absolutely busted in the fourth quarter where you had uh, a huge lead. And, and then, obviously, what he did against the Kansas City Chiefs with five minutes left of the game. when he, There was no way I thought the Chiefs were coming back from a 10-point deficit. And what did he do? Just like in the Atlanta, Atlanta Patriots game, he stopped running the ball. I don't trust Kyle Shanahan. I do trust Sean McVay. Sean yes. McVay gets into the big game. He'll find a way. To, he, 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 even though that offensive team, the Rams were a great offensive team. They played the Patriots, and they lost 10-3 to in that game before they did win the Super Bowl after that. He should have two Super Bowls in, in, in that much time. I don't know how that offense completely laid up a lousy goose egg. But here's again, the Rams shouldn't have been there. They shouldn't have gone there. That should have been who? Saints. The Saints that yep. should have been there. And it might have been a different, you know, turnaround in that game. So I don't know, man. Adam, we love you. Okay. Yeah. Love being on your show. We love you, man. I mean, look yeah. at you, man. You're you're sexy. I mean, look at you. Look like Speedy. Oh, yeah. You're as you're his long lost twin, man. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I mean, look, you guys are wearing glasses. You got almost the same headset. You got a beard. To, I mean, you guys, I, am I wrong? I mean, uh, scoops. What do you What do you think? They look I identical. Think the, the glasses are pulling a lot of work here. Let's just be. I mean, <laughs> I'll tell you this: Speedy might be like a, you know probably around sixty seven pounds less than you because he's like a twig. <laughs> I, I mean, this guy's a twig. He's like one hundred and fifty pounds soaking wet. I mean, uh, but uh, you know, uh, he's got to turn into a man. Maybe we need to smack him around a little bit, right, Speedy? That wouldn't help. You don't want me to smack you around? No, I don't. Uh, we need to stuff you with some candy and Twinkies and stuff like that. I'll do that on my own terms. Oh, you see, own terms, Adam. Own terms. There it is. Adam, we love you. Keep up the good work. Uh, we will talk to you soon. It will be a lot quicker than, uh, you know, eight months, six months since the last time we talked. Oh, by the way, quickly, what did you yeah. think about the Yankees, Brian Cashman? Anything that stuck out to you so far uh, this offseason? Uh, I mean, are they going to sign some free agents? Like, what's 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 happening here? No, I'm I mean, open. Look, look, they got Soto, which was a great, ob obvious trade. Got to re-sign him. Right, that's the key to the entire deal. I'm not heartbroken over losing the Japanese pitchers. Yamamoto, um, yeah, and Otani. Yamamoto, yeah. It, like, if you're gonna lose them to somewhere, and it's the Dodgers with Otani, fine. Like, you know what I mean? If we lost yeah. them to the Mets, mm. that's a problem. Yeah. Uh, so, look, the Yankees will they be better next year? Yes. Will they be good enough to matter? I haven't believed that for a few years. So. Mm. <laughs> Well, Brian better get. They need a pitcher. They need another pitcher, and that's what. Yeah. Uh, Corbin Burns, but now I'm hearing Marcus Stroman, and I he, he comes from my town, Patchogue. I don't know if I want Marcus, uh, you know, ruining the juju in my bullpen. 
or whatever in my, you know, on my bench. Ruin the Mets uh, juju for the 2020 season. Oh, I would have just opt out out of nowhere. Yeah. You know, um, you don't like a little piece of Marcus Stroman? I thought you were attracted to him. What? You liked him. You thought he was a good-looking guy. That doesn't mean I wanted the Mets to trade for him when they needed other things. (laughs) Adam, Adam, I just like throwing curveballs to this guy. He's so funny. I can tell. He's so funny, man. Anyways, Adam, keep up the good work. We'll talk to you soon, buddy. Thanks for having me, guys. Adam Silverstein. Our Adam Silverstein. You see, you got to use the hour. Speedy said. Hour. 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 Do it again. With a hour. Little pump. Little pump. Hour. Hour. Yeah. The hour. Adam Silverstein. Derek knows. I mean, he's the mountaineer, you know. Hour Silverstein. Are we waiting for Wes? Uh, yes, we are waiting for Wes. He just responded. He's coming in any second. Uh, Carl, you can call in if you want. Uh, uh, oh. Carly, Carly, Carly. Maybe I'll, I'll send you the number again, Carl. Listen, Carl, tell Carl to call after Derek and Wes. All right, let's call, call after Let's Parlay, Carl. Yes, and then he can argue his points. I'm sure he has his own thoughts. Yes, I'm sure you love that Luke Getze got fired, Carl. He does. <laughs> you liked him. Of course. No, I didn't. Who, who liked him? I don't know who liked him. It wasn't me. I, I was, I was I didn't want him. under the bus all season. <laughs> I didn't like him. I mean, seriously. But, Carl, you call right after, right after. Wes and the wonderful Derek. Uh, but before we, we get them on the show, um, we're waiting for Wes. I do want to get into this Lakers latest because this is this is very funny, guys. I, I'm loving this. I love when I hear these stories with the Lakers because they're, they're in so much turmoil. And thank you to LeBron James being the ass that he is. The Athletic reports that there was a depending, uh, depending disconnect with Lakers head coach Darvin Ham and some of their players last week. This frustration came during a four-game losing streak, which dropped the Lakers under 500 and are out of the playoff spot. Reports also say that certain players do not like Ham's lineup decisions and extreme rotations in the games. There were runner rumors that both LeBron James and Anthony Davis also consulted on lineup decisions for the Lakers last two, the last two games for both wins. The athletic Sam Emick reports that the Lakers ownership has hams back and will remain patient and allow him to grow into the role ham in his first year as the coach of the Lakers. Uh, he was a seventh seed and they made the Western conference finals before being swept by the Nuggets. The Lakers are 19 and 19 this season and currently hold the final play in seed in the Western Conference. First of all, quickly, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna save my piece here. Golden State stinks. The Lakers stink. All these old teams that were at the top of the list of top teams in the Western Conference stink. And I'm gonna tell you this right now. The only reason why the Lakers were in the Western Conference Finals is because there was so much turmoil in Dallas. That's the only reason why they made it to the Western Conference Finals. Because if there wasn't, if first of all, if Jalen Brunson was on that team, yeah. not a chance in hell do, do the Lakers get past them. And, and honestly, LeBron James is one of the best players we've ever seen. Probably top three. I would say top two. I think he's the second best right behind Michael Jordan. He's not even close to Michael Jordan, so nobody even get into that. Okay? He's not even close. He'll have all the records. He's not Michael Jordan. I watch both of those guys play at the top of their games. He's not. But I will say this. LeBron James has ruined this game. 
He's ruined this game. And he has taught players like Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, all these guys, all these Ben Simmons taught them that they're bigger than the game. They're bigger than the coach, and it's up to them on who should be coaching and running their organizations. That is the wrong way to work. A basketball, an NBA, a National Basketball Association league, and try to compare it to the other leagues that are trying to define who they are. Now, internationally, they're great. They're doing so good internationally. They are. Because LeBron James is an international name. And Michael Jordan really changed that for the NBA internationally because of their sneaker deals and everything like that. There are more sneaker, basketball sneakers out there than any other sport. And that's why internationally it's the number one sport besides soccer. I'm not going to say besides European football because European football is bigger than that. I'm sorry. I'm not a big ham fan. But the only reason why Ham has a job is because of LeBron James. That's the fact. And, and the Lakers are trying to hold on to him, and they're, they're backing him up. He will be gone by the end of the year. He will be gone by the end of the year. You can book it, sell it, wash it up, and stick it in your own you-know-what. He is not going to be the coach of the Lakers next year. If they think, if they really, 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 really think that this team has a chance to win an NBA championship this year. They're as blind as any team at, as of the New York Knicks of the last 25 years. They're a terrible organization, and they're not run very well anymore. They're, this is not Jerry Buss running it. It's his, sis, it's his daughter and uh, his sons. This, is, this, is, this organization is done. When LeBron James leaves, you're going to be speaking about the next – probably six, seven years where they're not going to win another NBA championship. That's a long time for the Lakers. Mm-hmm. For a team that's only getting younger now, too, finally, but still was old forever as well. So LeBron, uh, GM LeBron might have one last dagger. <laughs> I just think I think it's a joke. I think this whole coaching thing and the, the, this carousel of these coaches, the NBA is such a joke out of all the other sports and we talk about coaches. And yes, football teams could fire a coach in a year. We've seen the Arizona Cardinals do that. We've seen them do that to quarterbacks, too. And same thing with the Jets. I'm going to tell you, and the Giants, too, has had like oh, three yeah. or four coaches in, in less than eight years. Yeah. Um, something that they never done in, in, in a long – they never did it besides, nope. before, before this time. But I, I think that the NBA needs to figure – they need to figure out who they are and what their identity is as an, or, as an organization – because if they keep letting the players take control of the league, it, it's going to hurt the league in the long run. And right now it's not because of the shoe deals and sneaker deals, but eventually it will hurt it. And I, I think LeBron James is he's great for basketball because of who he is and what he stands for. He's terrible, but he's terrible for basketball when he steps off the court. He's terrible. The things that he says, political, you know, spiritual, I, I don't want to hear about it what he does and who, what he believes in. I don't care about that. I care about what he can do to help the league grow. And he hasn't done that. And that's all I'm going to say about this. It's a shame that ham is going to be in the middle of this because 
I just think uh, he's going to get fired. He, Dar- Darvin Ham is going to be fired because the love fest for LeBron James, it's not going to work, and LeBron realizes it's not going to work, and they're going to go elsewhere. Anyways, when we come back, I had to do that. I'm sorry that I'm sorry for Wes and Derek. I wanted to get into that because we might not be able to get into it after. When we come back, Derek and Wes for Let's Parlay. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouth. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. 631-672-3108 is the number to call. You're listening to the Sports Loudmouth. I am the Loudmouth. You're listening to Errol Marks. Speedy Petey. As my co-host, as he always is, the great board producer, you know, pain in the ass, uh, like the glasses, Speedy. Go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week, including The Loudmouth, which airs every single Wednesdays and Thursdays at 7 p.m. All you have to do to tune into our show is go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Well, uh, Adam Silverstein was fantastic, as he always is. And now, ladies and gentlemen, I know Anthony Andriosi loves this guy and loves both these guys as these guys are as rock solid as whatever speed he doesn't have. Ladies and gentlemen, we call this segment Let's Parlay. Parlay, Olay, Olay, Olay. It's time for Let's Parlay. You know, it's funny, Wes, and we have Worldwide West and Derek Mountaineer Mountain, but I, I want to say something to you, Wes. You, of all people, probably would have smiled and, and cracked up from that joke, and I think you kept probably the straightest face I've ever seen. Did I miss a joke? You didn't hear the joke. I mean, you, you were lost. I said, Did you not hear what I said? It's okay, Wes. I forgive you. It went over your head. It's all right, Wes. I, things do. Are you, are you drinking tonight? Are you drinking tonight? Nothing, man. Nothing. No drink. No wine. No, no nothing. I'm hydrated. Oh, you're hydrated. <laughs> well, after what you were doing with our, our friend, uh, Mr. John over there, you know, uh, Reno Johnny, man, I'm going to tell you this before we get into this. That guy is the funniest. When he's drunk, I could tell he was drunk. He was slurring and everything like that. I, I would love to go and hang out with him when he's drunk. That guy is out of his mind. He's walking around. He's like, look at these guys. Oh, we're going to the same game. <laughs> the, the sad part, the, the unfortunate part for him, like he was one in three that week, but both of his two, two of the picks he lost, he lost by like not covering, I think it was the Raiders by like half a point, and then the Bengals by half a point against the Chiefs. <laughs> he was funny. I blame you for my two and two last week because you forced me into some picks I didn't want. We'd have been three yes. And one. Uh, unfortunately, we can't make picks for a seven o'clock show that uh, of games that air at noon. <laughs> if there was time travel, Wes, I could have uh, we could have made that work. All right, yeah. you boys, you boys, you boys are crazy. And Speedy is his own little personality. Man, look at him. He the smirks. Don't listen to Speedy. I'm telling you, if you're going you're going one way, don't go the other way. If Speedy tells you, because usually well, it was. It was a college hoops play, mm. but it didn't fit into his time, time parameters, yes. and so, and it was a, it was a, the easiest, most stress free win of the week, and instead we went two and two, and it 
you go two and two with the juice in a casino, you're going to give up a little bit of money. Mm. Well, again, if, if there was a DeLorean that could exist, Wes, we could make that kind of thing work. <laughs> That's true. All right, boys. Uh, you guys know how to do it. You know how to play the game. All you have to do is you make your picks. We'll go Wes and then Derek. You take your, five, your first top three picks that you have, your plays for this week, and then the final is your parlay where you can uh, throw it all in there, baby. You ready, Wes? I am all NFL uh, this week. The first one I'm going to go is, is Cleveland-Houston, and I'm going to I'm gonna take the points, but I'm also going to go on the money line uh, as well. Uh, probably 75% of my play is, is going to be taking the points in Houston, but the other 25% is going to be money line. Um, I, I, I like the way that Houston is playing as a team. I think that their defense is good enough to slow down uh, Cleveland's offense. I understand what kind of a defense the Cleveland Browns have, but I also know what my eyes tell me when I watch the way the Cleveland Browns are playing, or when I watch the way that Houston is, is playing right now and what that quarterback is doing. Um, and I think Houston is going to win this game outright. I think that they have a legitimate shot at winning next week mm. and finding their way into a Final Four. But I'm taking mm. Houston, a little bit of money line, but I'm also going to take some points. I think Cleveland's All right, Derek. Yeah. Give us your first pick of the night. My first pick, I'm going to go to Monday night for my Eagles. Um, I'm not touching the total or the spread. I don't know what to expect from the Eagles, but I'm going to be on A.J. Brown's over, over 77 and a half yards. Um, he's questionable going into Monday, but I expect him to play after he got banged up on that Week 18 game. Um, I just think there's a really good matchup for A.J. Brown. Uh Tampa Bay is top three in single high shell coverage. They blitz at a top three rate. Um, that means there are going to be plenty of one-on-one -on -one opportunities for AJ outside. This, these Tampa Bay outside corners are put in a bind uh, with Todd Bowles blitz scheme, blitz head scheme. When they played in week three, AJ Brown had nine catches for 131 yards. I don't really expect Bulls to bend out of his philosophy here. The Eagles have really struggled in general against the Blitz this year. It may be worrisome for the Eagles when you're handicapping this game, but in terms of AJ Brown and his forecast, I, I think he should be able to produce in this matchup. So over 77 and a half yards for him. All right, and now he's not drunk, ladies and gentlemen. He's not at a football game. He's not coaching Reno Johnny. Welcome. Yeah, it's been a long time. I've been I've been real busy, but I'm uh, sure you are. <laughs> uh, I love you, man. And the game was fun. It was fun, but uh, yeah, we were we were inebriated a little bit. Um, just a little bit. Yeah, just just a tad. I'm gonna go with the Texans this week. Uh, I got the three. I kind of got it in as soon as that. The first line came out. I had a feeling that it was going to be a play that maybe more money came in on. Nothing against Joe Flacco. I think he's been fantastic for a team that's on QB six or whatever. This, I think that he's their fifth starter. They, I think they ended up going with six when when uh, you know what's his face started last weekend. Um, but he, do, he does turn the ball over a lot. And what Houston does really good on defense is actually they're the third best run defense in the league. So you're going to kind of force Flacco to kind of get maybe outside himself, maybe throw a little bit more. To me, that's turnovers. He does turn the ball over. Is he going to get the yards? Absolutely. But he might get 300 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. I think the Texans are good enough, and they have the complete opposite. They have a guy who, by the way, is a rookie. I think he's the first – he has to be the first rookie ever to go uh, the best interception turnover ratio. Uh, just kind of – he's playing like he's a six-year guy. And so – 
I don't I don't think he's phased by his first playoff game. I don't think he's gonna be phased by a home playoff game. Uh, this is a guy too, you gotta think he did play at Ohio State, you know, he's used to big crowds, big moments. It's not something that's gonna phase him. I just think this is a team that is the hotter of the two teams. Sounds weird, but maybe the Browns kind of limped in. I don't know if there's a benefit to just basically like blanketing, like we're gonna rest everybody because they looked so bad. Uh, and then you're kind of going in with that bitter taste in your mouth, going on the road. They're the only team on the road that's favored. Uh, definitely don't like road favorites in the NFL. Regular season, even harder to back in the NFL playoffs. Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna see this Stroud. I got the plus three. I wouldn't mind actually going 50-50, 75-25, you know, 80-20 kind of split, maybe on spread if you can get the three uh, and then the rest kind of sprinkle it on the money line. I just think the Browns, uh, the Browns are just kind of uh, great season for them, great defense, but uh, this might be the end of their, of their story this season. All right. World Wide West, give us your second pick. So I'm I'm staying in the NFL and and I will, you know, no no sequential order. I'm going to jump forward to the uh, Detroit LA game, and and I'm going to lay three points and I'm going to take Detroit and and I'm doing it for a bunch of different reasons. I, the playoffs it, it gets really you know interesting with the lines because in certain games, uh, if you believe one team is going to win, then they definitely cover the spread. Like if, if they don't cover the spread, they're probably going to lose, and. This game feels like one of them. If you look at the Lions and their margin of victory, there's two games where they were three points or less in their victory margin. The first one was against the Chiefs on opening night. And I don't know, it was kind of a miracle win. Nobody <laughs> saw that coming. I mean, now we look at how the season has played out and you know they, they probably should have beat the Chiefs a little bit more because it's not it, this is not a, a Chiefs team from a year ago. But uh, there was a Charger game, which turned into you know something of a shootout, and they won that by three. But every other where Detroit has won has been by five points or more. Most of these Detroit games, they're not even close. And um, this this Rams defense, they're not great. I think that out of the two quarterbacks in this this um, you know matchup of former teams, I think Jared Goff has more to prove. Uh, I, I think that, you know, coaching is, is probably a coin flip. I don't really like that, that what Detroit did and going for it twice in a row on the two and just kind of losing the game. I mean, he, Campbell just kind of went into spoiled brat mode and didn't get his way on the call and did it again. And it cost his team. I mean, they really could have won that game or at least had a shot if they would have kicked the field goal. So in crunch time, I don't necessarily trust Detroit to make the right coaching decision, but um but if you believe that Detroit is going to win their record this year and the, the points says that they will cover that three points easily. What I'm also looking at is the line movement. 73% of the tickets are on the Rams. Uh, and that was opening at a three and a half point spread. Well, if 73% of the tickets are on the Rams, there should be a huge movement in spread. It moved to half a point, which means there's enough money, either smart money or the casino is confident enough on the Detroit side of things that they're leaving that line where it is. So I, I, I really like Detroit in this spot. I think they're going to win by five plus. Derek, give us your second pick, my friend. I'm going to stay in this game. Uh, I'm, I'm going towards a player prop, but I, I agree with Wes. I, I lean Detroit here, and I think this player prop correlates with that. I'm going to go with Jameer Gibbs over 50 and a half rushing yards. I, I think this number feels really low. 
We are, uh, the market is correcting after an inefficient and ineffective last two weeks for Gibbs and that Lions rushing attack against the Cowboys and, and the Vikings the last two weeks. But um, I think it's it's been two tough matchups. One, Dallas, that's a top 10 rush defense by EPA per play. And then last week was just a really weird game where Detroit elected to play their starters. We saw Laporta go down. Um, they had no motivation on their side. I, I don't read too much into that. Um, but coming back to this week, I think it's a really good matchup for Gibbs to bounce back. Uh, Rams are middle of the pack rush defense, but they play more too high shell coverage than anyone. They're going to have light boxes on Sunday night. Um, Jared Goff, over his career and over this year, has really struggled against too high shell coverage. Now, the way I think Dan Campbell and Ben Johnson are going to combat that is to slow the game down and put the game in the hands of David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs. Gibbs. Um, so this is this is a short number. I mean, he's shorter than David Montgomery, who, who's listed at 55, 56 and a half rushing yards, even though Gibbs has outsnapped him in four of the last five weeks. He is much more of a home run threat than David Montgomery. I don't think he'll necessarily outcarry him, but we've seen Gibbs get get at least 11 carries or more in the last five games. If they are winning this game, if they're in a positive game script, I think he's going to get around 14, 15 carries here. I think he easily clears his number. All right. That was Derek's number two. Reno, Johnny, give us your number two. Uh, Yeah, we're going to do something out of the box of the realm what I do. And I'm going to lay some points here with a team that hasn't looked very good. That's the Chiefs. Um, the numbers already moved up a little bit. I kind of got hit it early supposed to be the coldest game in NFL history and we kind of know the Dolphins track record with that they've played 74 games since 1966 before the year below weather they're 26 and 48 they just don't play good in the cold that's just their history they play in Miami it, we're not blaming them for that um, but I look at more than just the cold weather which I think they're going to struggle I don't think Tyreek will he played in that weather but you look at Tua play high school football in Hawaii doesn't get not really cold there went to Alabama doesn't get cold there so I, I think that we're looking at more than that. Sewell was missing throws. Uh, throws that he probably, you know, they were at home last week against the Bills. And this that's a game that whether they were already in the playoffs or not, you probably want to host a playoff game, especially when you're the Dolphins and you understand that it's the playoffs. And no matter where you go, unless you're going to Dallas or in the NFC or, or something, San Francisco maybe, it's going to be pretty cold, right? So, you want to kind of host that game, and they really didn't play well. They scored 14 points, and I look at Tua missed a lot of throws. Throws at a quarterback that's gotten that kind of praise and that kind of high-caliber MVP, early-on MVP status, right? They, but he was a front-runner at the beginning, right? Can't miss those throws, and so I, they're not playing their best football. And I know the Chiefs have had a lot of issues uh, in terms of uh, drop passes, and stuff like that. But I, I'm going to look at two key pieces in this game. And, and one of them is going to be Andy Reid, right? Uh, guy's got the experience, one of the best coaches in the NFL uh, that's ever the NFL's ever seen, Got has a couple Super Bowl rings now, and I think he's going to have a perfect game plan. And the other to me is Isaiah Pacheco. I think, I think that guy is going to run angry and mean, and I just don't know if the Dolphins are going to be able to combat what the Chiefs have, considering – a lot of the injuries, and some, in my opinion, injuries they shouldn't have suffered, right? Chubb was in the game down 30 with three minutes to go. Like, not sure what why you got players still in the game. And then I do think the Chiefs get on early. And when, what I've noticed with Mike McDaniel is his play calling when they're down or tied, needing a play. 
it's not good. It, 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 it's, it looks very, it's almost like they're, they're playing too safe. And so if you get that early against the Chiefs, against one of the best play callers in the NFL, and you're Mike McDaniel, you need to play, and you're down, like you put your money on that. I just can't. Cold weather, it's going to be zero degrees. It's going to be the coldest game ever in NFL history. That's already a, a, a bad check mark. You're not healthy. Bad check mark number two. Two has been missing throws. Bad check mark number three. And I'm not, this is not a bet really on the Chiefs because they're not really showing me greatness either. It's really just a knock on the Dolphins until they can prove that they can go out there and beat a top tier team. They're like the Cowboys. They're like the Cowboys. They beat everybody that they should beat and they play kind of top tier teams. And what do they do? They lose. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Wes, give us your third pick of the night. I can tell you the weather here in Kansas City. We are expecting a, a low of minus one and a high of nine. And the kickoff is at seven o'clock at night. We've had snow. We're going to get snow on Friday. I've never seen tickets for playoffs Chiefs under the, under Mahomes sell for cheaper than they are, are selling for for this Saturday night. People don't even want to go to the game. But um, I am, I'm going to go to Dallas. I'm going to come back to this, this Chiefs-Miami game. Uh, but I, I'm going to go to the, the Dallas-Green Bay game. And um, this is another one where if it is within seven and a half points, Dallas is outright losing the game. And, and I don't believe that Dallas is going to lose this game. What I'm looking at is, is the first half scoring and usually how Dallas gets their edge. Um, I think uh, you know, Dallas is averaging a little bit over 17 points a game in the first half. The last three games have been a little slower, but they haven't had as much to prove. Philly just kind of handed the division to them. But... Um, and then you look at Green Bay, and they're just a hair under 10 points in the first half averaging per game. And that's throughout the course of the season. The last three games for Green Bay have been kind of the opposite, where they're averaging in the 16-17 range over the course of the last three, four games. So when you when you look at those numbers, they're kind of skewed in the last few games. you got to look at Green Bay's opponents, too. But Dallas at home, in their wins, they have no problem covering 7.5 points. Um, it is a total mismatch in, in Dallas's offensive personnel. Their defense is the strength, but what Dallas has, has done these last couple weeks in Dak to CeeDee Lamb, two tight ends that are capable of catching passes and they're dangerous in the red zone. I don't think Dallas is, um, I don't think Dallas's run game is going to be much of a threat when they get into the next round or uh, the conference championship. And I believe that they're going there, but uh their run game is is probably what's going to hurt them. But as far as what Dak is doing, and um, you know their defense keeping it in, if if Dallas doesn't cover seven and a half points in this game, they will not win. And I believe that Dallas is going to win this game, which means they're going to cover the seven and a half. I think Dallas is probably going to win this game by about ten, eleven. Mm, very interesting. Mm. All right, Derek, your third pick of the night. I will revisit the, the KC game. Um, we talked about the cold weather and, and the total has been bet down a lot. It, it's already down to 44 points. And between these two teams, uh, just, just at face value, I think that's a pretty shocking number. 44 between the Miami Dolphins and the Kansas City Chiefs who are both coming into this game on the offensive side of the football healthy. Now defense, totally different story. Miami signed three guys on their defensive line off the street this week already. Um, the one guy that's banged up, Jalen Waddle, you got to keep an eye on, obviously, but Tyreek Hill, healthy. Raheem Mostert looks like he's going to play. Devon Achan is going to play. Kelsey, sat out week 18, he's going to play, right? So 
Pacheco sat out week 18. He's going to play, right? All the big names, they're, they're being checked off here. Um, there's a contrarian over for me. I, I get how cold it is, but both of these run games are, are really trending in the right direction. Even if Tua has taken a step or two back to what he was in early and mid-season form, you still have two positive run games. You have a Kansas City run defense who ranks 28th in rush EPA per play. Um, on the other side, Miami is just limping to the finish line on defense, especially, right? Bradley Chubb, out for the year. Uh, Jalen Phillips, they lost in the middle of the year to a torn Achilles. Uh, Jalen Ramsey, playing banged up. Xavier Howard, probably not going to play in this one. I mean, their linebacker play has not been good. So I think it's a big Pacheco game. I think it's a good bounce back spot for, for Travis Kelsey. And I think Miami's ground game is going to see success like they did in the London game. He Mostert, I think, had 90 yards on the ground. Uh, they did not have HN on that first matchup. 44 points isn't going to take that much with these two teams. I know Kansas City's offense has struggled, but that Miami defense really got ran over on Sunday night. That was a deceiving final score, 21 to 14. I mean, some boneheaded turnovers from Josh Allen really changes the outcome of that game. Miami's given up 30 plus points in that game. So I'm going to go over 44 in that game. All right. Reno, Johnny, your third pick. Yeah. Um, one, one more thing, by the way, in that Chiefs game for me, the Dolphins have played four games under or three games under Mike McDaniel in cold weather under 40 degrees and they've lost by an average of 17 points. So, <laughs> Take that as well. Final thought there. Um, moving on. What we we will actually get into the Cowboys and Packers game, and you know I, I'm a big big. I'm a Cowboy fan. I'll say that, but I also think they are damn terrible to back in big spots. They just do not produce. Um, I think they're fortunate in this situation though, because I do not think the Packers are necessarily a playoff team. I think there's been a lot of mediocre football this year. That's kind of how the Packers got limped in. In a way, that extra spot that they added, um, not not sure if I'm a fan of that because I do think there's team playoffs that not necessarily giving us best football as, as fans, right? I think the Packers are one of those teams. I, I just don't think they're a good playoff team. Um, I'm going to lay with the Cowboys, but I'm going to do it in, in the first half. I, I think I'm going to – you can get four, uh, maybe, maybe five, but I'm seeing a lot of fours right now, four and a halfs maybe. Um, I just think that the first half they're going to come out a lot stronger. They they kind of tend to put, put their foot on the pedal. It's going to be home. They're going to have the, the whiteout going on in Dallas. Maybe Jordan Love not ready for that moment. Um, not really. When I look at defense, offense, Cowboys offense is just they got playmaker after playmaker, and it's it's beyond CD land. It kind of opens up the rest of the, of the team there. I think Brandon, uh, Brandon Cooks kind of get going as well. Um, the running game. I'm going to lay with the first half, and, and part of that is because I do see Dallas's defense maybe if it is a 14-point game. If it is around 13 points and two minutes to go, their defense kind of playing loose. I'm afraid for the back door in the second, in, in the second half. So I'm going to take the Cowboys, uh, who also do a great job scoring within two minutes in the first half. So if, if anything kind of happens, maybe they're up three or whatever, I can maybe get a late field goal to kind of cover that. So I'm going to take the first half in Dallas and, uh, and you know, I'll be here next week and, and basically saying I knew I shouldn't have if they don't come because I back in the Cowboys in, in, uh, in January just tends to not be great. All right, Wes, your final pick of the night, your parlay pick. 
I'm going. I'm going to the the Chiefs and uh, Miami game, and I, you know, I think for one of the first shows that I, I can remember, mm-hmm. I think all of us are. I owe you a jersey, team. by the way. I'll take care of that this week. Uh, no worries. Um, I, I I expect it. I'll let you know which player. I know what you player know, you want. Just not Kadarius Tony. <laughs> I know what player you want. Definitely, definitely not Tony. Yeah. No. Well, it, it all depends on who they sign. You know, I definitely don't want Chris Jones. I, I highly doubt he's in a Chiefs uniform next year. But, uh, but no, I, I, the three of us are on the same page with the way that we're reading the form for that game. Um, I, I, I'm agreeing with Derek on, on points in that game. I'm agreeing with Johnny on, on laying the, the points on the Chiefs. I was shocked when I saw this number, but then you dig in a little bit further and you realize the Chiefs, they're just... They don't score a ton of points. They haven't this year. The weather does not face Patrick Mahomes. This is what playoff weather is at Arrowhead. And I'm sorry, there is no difference between 5 degrees and 12 degrees and 21 degrees. Cold AF is cold AF. And that's just what it is. And this is, they've played all of their home games under Patrick Mahomes at Arrowhead Stadium. So it it just doesn't change. Um, But the line that shocked me was the first half team total for the Chiefs is at 12 and a half and that's been a challenge for them in in some games but at 13 and a half or even 13 it might be a no touch just because the weather it it could be tight the Chiefs they're probably going to find themselves a defensive turnover in the first half Um, their defense is playing lights out and if they if they jump up to a lead they'll get some second chances Um, you know they're just they're going to get after two of but over 12 and a half. I mean, that's two field goals and a touchdown. That's a field goal to close out the first half, you know, a, a, a first quarter drive and a touchdown somewhere in there. So I'm, I'm taking the Chiefs over 12 and a half for, for the first half. I, I really like that number. And I, I agree with everything that, that Derek and Johnny had, had said about that game. I, and it, this is essentially a bye week that they're, that they're coming off of. And Miami's going the wrong direction. They had no business losing to Buffalo. Derek, give us your final pick of the night. So uh, I, I'm tearing Johnny, you know, went halfway there, but I, I'm also on Dallas. I, I really like Dallas this weekend. And I think all the reasons you, the deterrence and the criticisms of Dallas in this spot this week are very narrative driven, which I'm just not going to really buy into. I'm going to do what my eyes are telling me and what Dallas has done this year is they've handled business at home and they have handled inferior opponents. Um, they have blown out teams that they can out talent. And I think that's Green Bay uh, this Sunday. I think Green Bay fits that bill. Um, they're a great story. Don't get me wrong. I think they're a really fun team. I think Jordan Love, I think Green Bay did again, finding Jordan Love. He looks fantastic. Those weapons are really exciting, but this is the youngest roster in football. Um, I think this is a really tough task for Green Bay to go in there in AT&T Stadium and and make this a game. Um, I think Dallas matches up really, really well with them. Um, Just coming into this, I mean, Green Bay was not battle-tested down the stretch. They had a nice – I think they won five of their last six, but you look at some of the teams they played against. I mean, they played against the Giants on Monday Night Football where they fell short against uh, Tommy DeVito, gave up a career game to Mayfield, they gave up a career game to Bryce Young, Panthers, and they played Justin Fields this past week. I mean, not really a murderer's row of quarterbacks there. 
I think this this Dallas team is a huge, huge step up, especially especially on the defensive side of the football for Green Bay. And I think that's really a bottom five, bottom seven defense in football. I think Dallas is going to have no problem scoring this weekend. On the other side, Dallas got back Jonathan Hankins in week in week 18. That is huge for their run defense. Their splits with and without him are, are just drastic. So he's back in there while Aaron Jones is, is, is helping the Green Bay backfield. So that's huge for Dallas. Um, and it's I, I don't like to follow trends, but we know we know the stats with first time playoff quarterbacks, uh, first time starters, 38 percent against the spread in the past decade. Jordan Love falls in into that trend. Um, I'm not going to bl- say blindly tail that with guys like him, Shroud, et cetera. But again, this this Dallas defense, their pass rush is is really, really good. If they can get out to a lead, especially a seven and a half point spread, it's kind of implied there that Green Bay's probably going to play from behind. I think Jordan Love is going to make a mistake or two and Dallas can really blow this game open, which they've done with inferior opponents all year. So I like them to cover the seven and a half. All right, Reno Johnny, your final pick of the night. Yeah, you know, this is a tend to be a, a, a weird playoff week i think and and you know last couple years i thought i had a pretty good read uh this year doing a couple of things i don't necessarily do and, and i'm it's gonna stay here with uh, detroit and uh, la i'm gonna take detroit but i'm actually gonna uh, do the the uh, easy way out and, and lay some juice and take them on the money line um i think you know you talked about the dallas narrative i think one of the most played out narratives right now is uh, uh you know the lions having this this revenge thought for their quarterback uh, from LA. I, I don't think that's necessarily why they're going to win, but I just look at this Lions team as a more complete team. I do think that the narrative they should drive is they do believe, right? And I think rightfully so or wrongfully so that they should have been the number two seed, right? They, they kind of got that taken from them. Um, I think they're going to go into in this matchup and they do have, you know, Goff is going to play out of his mind. He's going to have his receivers. I think they're just a better all-around team. Now, did LA finish the season I think on a really high note, absolutely. I think I'm surprised that they actually limped, they limped into the playoffs, right? Um, I'm just looking at the body of work for 18 weeks, lane only three. You're telling me it's, you know, on a neutral field, this is going to be an even, even type. And I don't think that, because if they give me on a neutral field, I think the Lions are going are, are gonna to run away with this game pretty easily. Mm. Um, I understand Puka's kind of kind of made, made some noise. He's a good compliment to Cup. Uh, defense has kind of gotten a lot better. Um, I'm just looking, I think, that when you look at this matchup, who are you going to trust more right now it, with the Rams on the road that really struggled early on or the Rams of late? I'm going to take the team that's been kind of good all season long. They had a, two, a rough two-game stretch in that Baltimore loss that they lost pretty bad. Other than that, the Lions, to me, are a much better team in, in multiple facets of the game. I'm going to lay it. I, I got minus 155. Hmm. I'm seeing 165s right now, though, so I'm not sure – that number's ever going to come back down. Um, maybe it's a parlay piece or something like that, but I like the Lions to win the game on the field. All right, boys. You guys are fantastic. And by the way, Derek, uh, I'm going to be keeping tabs on you guys. I, I, I really hope you guys go 12 for 12 this week, and you make a lot of people a lot of money. And by the way, a lot of people are listening to this segment because they love you guys. So 
uh, Wes, Derek. I mean, you guys have been popular. Reno, Johnny, uh, you were a, a complete hit when when you were walking drunk. So you're the you're you're the drunk betting man now. That's what everybody calls you on social media now. So <laughs> yeah, so. my fault. No, dude, I thought it was funny. I thought you were fantastic. I thought it was very very funny. Uh, but uh, thank you guys. We'll talk to you next week. Happy New Year. Thank you. Thank you. Reno Johnny Worldwide West and ladies and gentlemen, Derek Mountaineer Mountain. All right, let's bring him in. He's been waiting very calmly. The great Nathan. Nathan, what's up, man? You gotta unmute your thing, Nathan. I mean, I'll help you. Can you hear me? We hear you, Nith. What's, what's up, up, guys? What's going on, man? Where Sorry, have you I been? been coming back on a couple of days? Been busy. Oh yeah, you've been binging. Is that what you've been doing? <laughs> I I knew it. Uh, you know, if you want to binge, you hang out with Speedy. You'll be binging for other things too. <laughs> Come on. Uh, listen, Speedy's a you know maybe maybe Speedy could sit on your lap. And ask I'm not him, sitting on anyone's lap. I, he he oh, needs Arrow, Santa Claus. Arrow, you know? Arrow, we have to we have to get Speedy some ladies, man. Uh, he needs more than a lady. He needs God, my friend. He needs God. We have to get speedy some ladies. Carl says, uh, Nathan, you got back from pickleball nationals just now? <laughs> <laughs> Carl's funny, man. Here comes the come shit talking. Now. <laughs> no, last time you were on, it was field hockey. Now it's, now it's pickleball. <laughs> oh, no, last time was EJ Perry. Oh, that true. was Jeff, not, not, not Carl. It was EJ Perry. <laughs> Carl always rotates with sport. You end up randomly covering. I mean, who brings up EJ Perry on a conversation anyway? I mean, EJ Perry. I mean, I don't think you'll ever see him step foot on an NFL football field. So, I mean, that's why Jeff makes fun of him. Because EJ Perry, if, out of all the guys, I think you're better off talking about Christian Hackenberg than EJ Perry. <laughs> I mean, at least Christian Hackerberg had a couple of times that he actually stepped on an NFL football field and threw the ball. I don't think you'll ever see EJ Perry do that, but there's my opinion on that one. Anyways, what are your, what are your thoughts on these coaching firings and also Nick Saban? Oh, we already we already spoke about that, but I do want to get into the Aaron Rodgers thing before we make our picks. Uh, I am. Very surprised. I've been reading the story while uh, we were doing Let's Parlay on this main story about Aaron Rodgers not appearing on Pat McAfee's show again this NFL season. I do believe when Aaron Rodgers brought Jimmy Kimball's name up in the whole Epstein situation, it stirred up a lot. And then Pat McAfee bringing up executives of ESPN and attacking them as uh, you know, he claims that these executives have thrown him under the bus and tried to ransack his show. I think there's just so much going on right now at ESPN and with Pat McAfee and wondering what they ha- what they can do with him or what they're going to do with him on the situations because it first came out with Jimmy Kimball and then all of a sudden in the whole Pat, the the whole Pat McAfee attack to the ESPN executive. So this is a crazy story because I don't know as much as Pat, this really brought Pat McAfee on center stage. The nationally was the whole Aaron Rodgers thing. It, it Aaron Rodgers probably realized what he said and what he shouldn't have said because he did come back and he backtracked on the Pat McAfee show the other day on Tuesday. And he said that he never called Jimmy Kimmel a pedophile. Hmm. All he said was Jimmy Kimmel was over there on the list 
and he was on Epstein Island. And and he says, it, and that's pretty much what he said. And I, I think he also said that he would never go on his show or something mm. like that. I, I don't know the whole story, but. And then Pat McAfee obviously backed up Aaron Rodgers because Aaron's his moneymaker. And uh, then, you know, obviously, the whole executive thing happened. This, I believe, right now is to try to hide what has happened over the last couple of weeks. And I believe. Aaron stepping away from the Pat McAfee show. Because last year he didn't do that. Last year, it didn't matter if it was the football season. It was at the end of the season. It was during the playoffs. But he was on the Pat McAfee show every Tuesday. Every Tuesday. Now, all of a sudden, this thing happened with the Jimmy Kimmel thing. And he disappears off the face of the earth. I do believe he'll appear on the Pat McAfee show again. But it might not be with ESPN. Because I believe... I think I think they're going to get rid of him. I I believe ESPN, and I'm not. I don't know. I don't have any inside sources. I'm just guessing here. ESPN told Pat McAfee, "It's either Aaron or you. Mm. You're either staying or, and he's going right now, or you're going, and he's going with you." So I don't know if this is true. And I and again, I'm. I'm I'm just quoting what I believe is going on right now with the Pat McAfee show. Pat McAfee is a fantastic talent. He's he's got a good personality. He's crazy. Love Pat McAfee. I really do. I think he he delivers. He brings a different dynamic uh, to sports media. The only thing that Pat McAfee is doing that I could step in and maybe attack is he's not Howard Stern. Nope. He's not Howard Stern. When Howard Stern did this, he did this in Rhode Island. He didn't he didn't do it on a major radio network. He did it on a crusty Rhode Island network that nobody practically listens to. That really transitioned him. Then he went to K-Rock, if you remember, he came to New York, went on K-Rock, uh, you know, he did what he did and said what he said and then he eventually got that serious serious deal. Pat McAfee has changed the media world. By really doing what he has done over the years, even as a football player, speaking up, speaking how he feels, and then bringing in a guy like Aaron Rodgers to your show really transitions, really changes. Because Aaron Rodgers don't speak to anybody but Pat McAfee. I don't believe, and I'm going to predict this too, you will see Aaron Rodgers on any radio show, on any broadcast for the next Six months before the season. I, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to stay quiet. I think last year, him speaking up about him going into the darkness and and the whole retirement thing and the whole Green Bay Packer thing, it screwed a lot of things up for the NFL offseason. I, I think Pat probably said, let's, let's take you out for a couple of months. Let's get through the offseason, and then we'll bring it back in the beginning of the season when you're healthy and you're ready to go. And hopefully uh, we're, our stature and our, our state of mind uh, on ESPN is a little bit better. I, I, I think this is a crazy story. And I'm – I'm everybody I, – we, we, I was talking to Scoops before the show, and I was telling – he asked me, he's like, what do you think it is? And I think, uh, is it the season? I I – Remembered him throughout the off season last year and throughout the playoffs that he was on the Pat McAfee show every Tuesday. It didn't matter. And he spoke, uh, you know, he spoke every Tuesday on the Pat McAfee show for him to be taken out like this only tells me one thing. 
the ESPN and the executives probably reached out to him and said, you have to get rid of him right now. It's just not good for the game. It's not good for the show. It's not good for us right now on on the state of where we're in with the whole situation, that what you said. So that's my opinion to the story. I, whenever the story starts to break even more deeper into it, I'm sure we're going to hear more. But I don't think it was just a dink that Pat McAfee decided and announced that Aaron Rodgers will not be on the show for the rest of the, se- the, the rest of the uh, playoff and probably the off season. So Carl, uh, Nithin, Carl gave you the seal of approval. Uh, Nithin could take your Nithin, You could take his spot. Wait, what? Carl says Nithin, you could take Pat McAfee's spot. Oh, I, I, I'm willing to take Pat McAfee's spot. Yep, yep. <laughs> Good luck. Speak hey, um. Vita, um, mm-hmm. that's I don't know. That story is crazy, and um, my prediction is I think I think Mac, Pat McAfee cannot live without Aaron Rodgers, and I think he's going to choose Rodgers over ESPN. That's my opinion. Well, I, I think, no, uh, not right now, but I I think there's a lot of questions. Pat McAfee's numbers are are pretty good right now, and a lot of people believe his numbers are really structured around Aaron Rodgers being on a show. I I think his I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna praise. Pat McAfee in certain ways. I think his content is good. I think he adds a little dynamic of comedy to his show. I think he goes a little too far with it, yeah. uh, with his two guys on his show and and okay. obviously AJ Hawk. But I, I think his content is raw. I think it's good. I think it's good for the younger crowds that know and understand what the the sport of football brings when it comes to billions of dollars in the industry. So I think Pat McAfee gives them the only thing I, I another thing I don't like about Pat McAfee. He tries to go outside of football. He just doesn't know anything. I, I mean, honestly, besides football, does Pat McAfee know anything about basketball or hockey or baseball or even mixed martial arts? He gets all these wrestlers and all these guys on his show because people want to go on his show because why? He's got a huge following. His content is is funny. So they'll go on his show because it's going to draw and will draw help for their, you know, the endorsements and the sponsors that they have out there. That's why they go on Pat McAfee's show. But I, 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 I won't put his his content down. I think he's he's a natural. He's a natural broadcaster. He, I just think that he does things and he's trying to do things that he shouldn't be doing in the industry right now, especially when he's on an on a network that has control of him. I mean, this isn't this isn't DraftKings or what a FanDuel that he was signing a contract with, where they just wanted to to take their content and put it on his, you know, his product, where he was making pretty good money, he got offered a hundred and something million dollars by them, but he took the ESPN job because ESPN he always wanted, he always wanted the ESPN job. He has a connection. And he has a love for ESPN, and ESPN knew that, and they knew that by bringing him in, they have a dynamic they don't have on their networks, and that's a Pat McAfee who doesn't give a crap. And he made his promises to stay away from the WWE. He's made his promises to stay away from some of the things that he they don't want him to speak about. And uh, he's followed directions until this. Now he's attacking executives. When you attack an executive, it usually means it's either them or the executive, and they usually go and keep the executive. So even with Pat McAfee's numbers. So I don't know. I, I think yeah. there's a lot of questions. I don't think he's going to get fired. 
I guess time time will tell uh, on what happens. I think it's interesting. Like you said, like you said, until the full story comes out, I guess we have to be in wait and see mode on this. I think Pat is trying to protect himself right now. That's what I think. I, I think Pat realizes that he's in a heap load of trouble right now because he he thought he can be a Howard Stern and come out with the, you know and say the things that he says. I just I I think he's I think that was his mistake. That's it. Mm-hmm. If he just kept his silence to whatever he thinks the executives are trying to do and try to do to his show, that's fine. He should have told Aaron, cut it. You know, don't talk about this. He let him go. And he let it go. He kept going. Yeah, he let it go, and and Aaron kept going, and Aaron didn't stop, and. And Aaron, you know, tried to backtrack, and that's something that I give Aaron Rodgers a lot of credit for. He backtracked, and he, he probably he, he said, "I didn't call him a pedophile, but you're insinuating that's what you're, you're you didn't say that he's a pedophile, but you said he was there, which usually, I mean, Al Gore was there. What what the hell was our you know our uh, vice president doing there uh, at the time with his wife eating dinner? Oh, somebody said they saw him eating." If him and his wife were going to the island, they weren't going there to eat dinner, okay? They were looking for something. So <laughs> I'm just stating the facts. And Bill Clinton and all those guys and Trump, the fact that all those guys were there, it only tells you one thing, all right? So I, I don't want to get into it. It's not – I'm not getting into politics or who Epstein is and what what, what happened over there. We all know, We all know what happened. And and we all understand the situation. I didn't see Jimmy Kimmel's name in any of those papers. That doesn't mean he's not there, and it doesn't mean that Aaron's not right. He's right about that. So I'm just saying the the, the facts here. Anyways, uh, Nathan, you're gonna help us uh, make our picks. Yeah, but uh, hold on. Uh, yes, I want to say congrats to Victor Van. Uh, I can't say his last name, but from the Spurs, he got his first career triple double. Webinyama. Wemby. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, he got his first triple-double today. All right. Good for him. Good for him. And I, I think he's going to be a good player. I just don't know if he's the revolutionized player that they think he's going to be. I, I mean, they're saying he's a better prospect than LeBron James was. Mm-hmm. I think uh, he, I think they're out of their minds. But, hey, listen, if he brings home championships with Greg, because Greg was going to retire. Now, all of a sudden, <laughs> he's staying there for good. He's going to coach till he's 100. <laughs> I mean, Imagine. Imagine if we had those same today. We had Pete Carroll and uh, and Nick Saban retire. Imagine Bill Bel- Bill Belichick is next, and then you that's got- what everyone was yeah. saying too. Yeah, like <laughs> what, all of the old ripple effect. <laughs> Bill Belichick is not retiring because he wants to break Don Shuler's win record, and he's what 26, 26, 26 wins away from doing that. I I think Bill is going to stay in this league to break that record. That was a record that he always wanted to break. So I where he's going to coach somewhere else if it's not the Patriots because he expects and he plans to break that record before he retires. That's that's probably three good years. Nathan, have you seen the memes too with Bill Belichick in an Alabama jersey yeah. now? <laughs> that's three, see, um, maybe two years. I, I brought up on your chat um, if 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 Belichick lives, leaves the Patriots, I can see Mike Rabel. Taking over. Yeah, that seems inevitable at this point. Well, we, we think Mike Vrabel was the, the guy that was going there. I think they, they fired, they let go of Mike Vrabel because Mike Vrabel said he doesn't want to come back. Yeah. And he has his plans and his eyes locked on something already. So I, I it's not a coincidence that Mike Vrabel was fired. Okay, Because honestly, you don't fire Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel, 
two years, what, a year ago, last year, we, we were talking about coach of the year. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were the one seed in the NFC in 2000, AFC in 2021. I mean, yeah. this guy was the coach of the year a year ago. And, and the guy everybody thought was the best up and coming coach in all of football. And all of a sudden, in a year and a half, they're firing him. Uh, some kind of story that is going to you know, align with this story with Mike Vrabel when he does go to the Patriots because Robert Kraft, the Patriot, what the Patriots are doing right now with Bill Belichick is they want to get something for Bill. They're not going to just let him go. They're going to want something, just like Sean Payton, just like the Saints. They're going to want something. You want him? You, you trade for him. I want a first-round draft pick. I, if you're going to get three good years out of this coach, which they probably could, depending on where he goes, I, I want a first-round draft pick. No less than a second and a third together to get him. Okay? And he, they're going to get it. They're, they're going to get it. And I think the Chargers probably would be willing to do it. I, I really do. And, and to them, where they're drafting this year? Five. Five. They wouldn't trade this pick. They would wait until next year and trade the year after. So the next year, not this year, next year, they'll give up their first round draft pick for Bill Belichick, and I think they would. Uh, I think the Patriots will approve it. So, do you think they'll go after Bill Belichick over Jim Harbaugh? I think you'd be stupid not to. <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, you do you want Jim Harbaugh that's never won a Super Bowl and won a national championship, or do you want a guy that's won six Super Bowls and was dominant for the last twenty years? I'm going to go with the older guy that actually knows what he's doing. So I, 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 there's no question if I were the Chargers and Bill Belichick becomes available and wants to go in to L.A. to have a conversation with you, you don't sit down with Bill Belichick over yeah. Jim Harbaugh. I, I think it, it makes a lot of sense. The wild card, too, is how much does he want to be a GM still, too, because he and doesn't here, want to be a GM with the Patriots. And here's another thing. Speedy talks about it all the time. The Chargers have been – a laughable organization. Not because they can't make it. It's just because they choke. They're a good player development organization, and they always do stupid things with their players, managing injuries and not getting obviously not getting fans, and they're not adjusted well. But the biggest thing is coaches. They haven't hired a big name coach in twenty well, years. They choke, you know, and that's that's the organization. I mean, look at the the coaches that they had over there: North yeah. Turner. <laughs> Uh, Marty Schottenheimer. And no offense to Marty. Marty was a great He was the coach. last big name one they did, and he always choked in the playoffs. Yeah. But still, like that was the last big name they spent money oh. on. After that, it was... Ken Wisenhunt, right? No. Yeah. Ken Wisenhunt was the offensive coordinator. He wasn't the head oh, coach. They, uh, Mike McCoy was yeah. there, though, too. McCoy. He wasn't good. And, no, he's a good offensive coordinator. He was, right, he was carried by Peyton Manning, so... Also, play, he also co- it was the offensive coordinator for Pittsburgh, right, McCoy? Uh, I think he was on the staff. I don't know if he was the coordinator. I think Arians was the coordinator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's, it's crazy, man. Uh, it'll be very, very interesting uh, when the offseason opens up. And, and we won't hear anything with Bill Belichick until the Super Bowl is over. Oh, you will not hear anything. But I'm telling you, there was a region, reason why Bill Belichick wasn't black. He wasn't Black Monday, he wasn't fired. Their yeah. plan is to get something for him. They're not going to give away the greatest coach of this era for nothing. Sean Payton. I'll give you a surprise team for Belichick. Washington. No. Who? Dallas Cowboys. No. (laughs) You're not confident they're going to keep McCarthy, huh? First of all, he would never work for Jerry Jones. Never. You think Jerry Jones will let Bill Belichick draft his own players? Not a chance in hell. (laughs) He wouldn't let Bill Parcells do that. And that's his like, that's his like, uh, 
the guy that he looks up to. I mean, it's not happening. No, we're keeping Mike McCarthy. I I think. All right, enjoy your bad fourth quarter clock management. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's do our picks. We do this every week. All right, let's go. So we'll start with the team that won Mike Vrabel's Titans division, and that was the Houston Texans. They will host the Cleveland Browns in the first of the six playoff games. I'm going to disagree with our betting guys here. I'm going Uh to take the Browns here. I think the offensive line for the Texans still concerns me, and I like the receiving depth for the Browns having against some banged up secondary players. Give me the Browns in this one. I think it will be close. I'll say 24-21. I love the Browns in this game. I think Joe Flacco's going to make a run, and I like the Texans. I think they're fantastic. They they deserve all the accolades, and I, I love C.J. Stroud. I think he's the next up-and-coming superstar quarterback in this league, and he deserves every bit of it. The way he chants God and everything, what he does when it comes, it's all about team before himself, and that's what you love. Uh, some, something that uh, Watson didn't know or even believe about. But nevertheless, I, uh, Watson, it would have been great to watch Watson play his old oh, team. Yeah. Two uh, old teams playing against each other. <laughs> I mean, I would love to see it, but that's not going to happen. Um, I have the Browns in this game. I think the Browns win a very, very close game. I think the Browns and Joe Flacco, I think there's something special about the Joe Flacco story. And I think we'll see it after this game. And why some people are going to try to start to sway to the Browns, maybe going to the AFC title game and making a run for the Super Bowl with Joe Flacco. Give me the Browns on the money. Who do you have, Niff? I got the I got the Browns too. And uh, congrats to the Texans for making this far. And last year they they went from a three and thirteen team to a ten and seventeen with D'Amico Ryan, the rookie quarterback, which is amazing. They have a great defense. Um, I they're going to keep they're going to keep up in this game, but uh. Like, like Arrow said, some, there's something special about Joe Flacco this year, and he, come, he came right from the couch back to the field, and he's inspiring. He's he's uh, inspiring the Browns team, and they have something going, something brewing right now. So I got the Browns in a close game, uh, 27 to 24 over the Texans. All right, Speedy. All right, the Miami Dolphins at the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I'm going to go with our betting guys this time. I was originally going to take the Dolphins, and I found out about all these injuries. I just don't know if their defense is going to be able to hold up. Yeah, their defense is not going to be able to hold up. I know the Chiefs definitely don't have the offense. The Chiefs will be eliminated next week. I I know the Chiefs don't have the offense that they used to, but they still have some good matchups in this game. I agree with Derek. I like Pacheco a lot in this game. Travis Kelsey, I think, will get his because Miami still struggled over the middle, even their defense was healthy. So give me the Chiefs in this one. It'll be close, but I'm going to take the Chiefs. I'll say 20 20 to 17. I want to see the Dolphins win. I really do. And, and the fact that the Chiefs are playing a home game is a joke. Absolute joke. Because they have, they're not even worth the, the, the record that they have, honestly. And I, I want to pick the Dolphins, but the, the, the extensive losses to that defensive line is going to affect the pass rush and getting to Pat Mahomes and throwing him off. And he's 100% healthy going into the playoffs, something that he wasn't last year. I, I, I like the Chiefs in this game. I think it'll be close. I think it could be. It's going to be really cold, and maybe some snow on the ground. It's going to be slippery. I think whoever is going to be able to run the ball in this game better is going to win the game. Now, I do believe the Dolphins have the better running game, but it's all about the scheme and 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 who the coaches are. I think Mike McDaniel is going to be the, one of the best coaches in the league, but I think it's it's Andy Reid's uh, you know field. So, give me uh, the Chiefs on the money. I, I got the Chiefs also. They got the proven track record, obviously, winning, winning the Super Bowl last year. And uh, Mahomes, any you, you never know with Mahomes. Mahomes can obviously put good in playoff football. So, and plus the Chiefs, um, I mean, it's, it's going to be a close game. And seeing Tyree Kill playing his former team, that's going to be fun to watch. So, but um, I'm so I think the Chiefs are going to win this game. 
uh, 20, uh, 30 to 21. All right, the Steelers at the Bills. This one I don't think will be close. The Bills, their point differentials on 100 right now, and their defense is playing incredible. And no J.J. Uh, Watt. And outside of the Bengals games, the Steelers oh, offense. T.J. Watt, that's what I mean. And outside of the Bengals games, the Steelers have played. The, the Steelers offense has still looked in BJ. even with changing offense. There I should think, be a B.J. in that family. Yeah, uh, there should be. But they decided to name their other son Derek. Nevertheless, I think the Bills in a blowout. I'm going to say 34-10. <laughs> um... This is going to be a fun game to watch. It's going to be a Buffalo. There's going to be snow on the ground. It's going to be very cold, too. It's going to be extremely cold, and I'm going to be right over there, baby. I'm going to be right over there for the weekend at 1 o'clock on Sunday. I'll probably be leaving Niagara, but right over there. I, I like the Buffalo Bills in this game. It'll be close. Losing T.J. Watt for the playoffs is a big loss. If T.J. plays in this game... I might go the other way. I, I think the Pittsburgh Steelers are a good defensive team, and they can run the ball. I think they have a two-headed monster over there, and I think Harris is up. In, you know, he's up and he's ready to run through the Buffalo Bills line. It's not going to happen. The Bills' offense is, is is spread out. They can run the ball. They can throw the ball now. And Josh Allen, I think, is one of the runner-ups of the MVP award this year. Give me the Bills on the money. I got the Bills also. Uh, <laughs> this is playing at home, so and, and the Steelers obviously without T.J. Watt is a big loss, and um, there, it's so it's gonna be a, a close game, but I, the Bills are gonna win. I got the Bills winning 34 to 27. All right, Nathan, your Dallas Cowboys hosting the Green Bay Packers. This game, I think, will be close for a little while. I'm going to take the Cowboys, but I do think you got to watch out for this receiving depth for the Packers, especially uh, Stephon Gilmore not being 100%. Jordan Love has played well at the end of the season, but like Derek was saying, against the Giants game. The thing that worries me about the Packers is their running game still hasn't gotten consistency, and that's the best way to beat the Cowboys with receiving running backs. If Aaron Jones is 100% healthy, I think the Packers had a shot at the upset, but I do think he'll have some costly turnovers. I'm going to take Dallas in this game. I think it'll be closer than people expect. I'm going to say 31 to 21. I think it's going to be very close, and I, I don't I don't even think it's going to be 10 point, you know, differential. I think the Cowboys will have the lead all game, and I think it's going to be the battle of the kickers. And I think the Cowboys have the best kicker right now in the NFL, even better than Justin Tucker. He, I mean, this guy has been absolutely unbelievable. And I, again, this guy's kicked 60 yards, 62 yards this year. I mean, he doesn't miss. And I think that's a great weapon to have, especially in a game where I don't think Green Bay or the Cowboys are going to score a lot of points. I think Alexander's going to be in the game. I think he's going to cause problems for C.D. Lamb. And the Cowboys really don't have anything to look forward in the other side of the field because I'm not going to bet on Cooks, and I'm not going to bet on uh, any of the garbage they have over there. But I have the Cowboys. I think it'll be close, 30-27. Uh, to 27. Hey, that's, a, that's when you have the advantage of playing soccer, too. So a field goal kicker plays soccer also in his career. And, man... How about them Cowboys? Let's go. I, I can't wait for this game. Obviously, Mike McCarthy facing his former team. Say goodbye and to we, Danny Quinn. <laughs> and we finally say, and we finally, uh, finally have a, uh, facing a Packers team without Aaron Rodgers. But anything can happen. Uh, Jordan Love is playing, has, has had a great season this year. Obviously, uh, uh, they're riding high and they're a great team. They're still a great team. No matter what, who the quarterback is, they're still a great team. And uh, we got to take, uh, cannot take that team for granted. So, uh, but going, it's going to be a close game. So, but uh, we, got, I, I got the Cowboys winning, uh, thirty-seven to uh, thirty-seven to thirty. 
All right, the LA Rams at the Detroit Lions, 51 and a half the over-under, Lions favored by three. This will be interesting. This will be the highest scoring game of the week. I think yeah. both these quarterbacks are going to play well in this game. I think the, the Lions defense, though, I think has some deficiencies in the slot area. Brian Branch has played really well as a nice young rookie, but they haven't had much besides that. And Sean McVay does so much slot concepts, too. I think Kyron Williams, not as much rushing, but I think receiving in this game will do well. And the Rams secondary has actually played surprisingly well this year, too. I think Jared Goff will just have some costly turnovers. Sean McVay knows Jared Jared Goff knows his weaknesses. So I'm going to take the Rams in this one. As much as a great season for the Lions, I'm rooting for them big time, but I think the Rams win this game. I'm going to say 34-31. to 31. I think the loss of Laporta does hurt them, but nevertheless, I think the Lions are the better team. They're the home team. I think they show up in front of Detroit and, and show up to a game that they need to win. They're the better team. They've been the best team, I believe, in the NFC all season long. Uh, consistent from all the teams. They're not the number one seed because of San Francisco, but they never went on a four-game losing or three-game losing streak like that this year, like San Francisco did. It was all spread out. They're a consistent team. They've been the most consistent. I think their co their coach is up and coming. I think he, he's great. Uh, Campbell is one of the, the guys you want to follow. You want to follow, follow in the trenches. He's that type of guy, and he'll go for it every fourth down. So expect it fourth and two. Fourth and three, he's going to go for it every single time, and it's going to pay off in this game against the, the Rams. Give me the Lions on the money. So it seems like the theme, the theme of this first round of the playoffs is facing each other's former teams or co players or coaches, which is crazy. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see Golf facing against his, his team and then, uh, and then Saffer facing against his former team. So... But it's, it's going to be a close game. Uh, uh, Detroit's uh, obviously hosting this game and tough place to play in. So I got I got Detroit winning. It's, it's a high-scoring game, so I got them winning 40-37. to 37. By the way, this is not going to be a high-scoring game. Mm -hmm. I, I don't. Everybody <laughs> thinks it's going to be. Right. It's going to be one of those games that it's not. Lions defense shows up. All right, last one. The Monday night football game. The, uh, a defense that hasn't shown up. The Philadelphia Eagles against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Eagles favored by three. The over-under is 43 and a half. I am going to take the Buccaneers in this one. I'm going with the upset. I think the Eagles are very banged up right now on offense. I know A.J. Brown, Derek, was saying he's in a nice game. I could see that. I just don't know where they're going to get a lot of other production. The... the Bucks run defense has been great for years. I think it's going to be very hard. I think it's also going to be hard for Jalen Hurts, who hasn't run the ball as effectively this year against an outside rushing defense in the Buccaneers. And there's two matchups I like for the Bucks on offense, Rashad White and Chris Godwin. I think both have huge games in this one. Those are two of the weaknesses of the Eagles defense. I'm going to take the Buccaneers in this one. In the upset, I'm going to say 26 to 20. I got the Eagles in this game. I, I, don't, I cannot sit here and think that the Buccaneers are going to pull off a win. I, I'm surprised they're a home team. Good for them. Congratulations to Baker Mayfield. Hopefully his wife uh, keeps her mouth quiet after they get eliminated after this game. Uh, and hopefully he doesn't try to run naked around the field after they lose as well uh, or, or attack people and put a flag on the emblem after the game. Um, yeah, I got the Eagles in this game. I think the Eagles will figure it out. I, I think Jalen Hurts is a Super Bowl contending quarterback, and I, I don't think they're as bad as we've seen. And, and if they do lose, uh, their coach is going to be fired probably at the end of the game, and the Eagles are going to be looking for Jim Harbaugh to be uh, <laughs> their next head coach. I, I don't think it's going to happen. Give me the Eagles on the money. Um, I'm, I'm going to take the Eagles also. Um, obviously, uh, I mean, they have the uh, – <laughs> Even though with all the injuries and their uh, inconsistent play towards the end of the season, I'm still going to take them. I mean, kudos to the Buccaneers for getting to the playoffs and hosting this game at home. 
Um, but I think the Eagles, with their with their proven track record and also their defense, I mean, their defense can still hold up. But um, I, I I got them winning. It's gonna be a close game. I got them winning twenty four to seventeen. I don't think the Eagles are this bad. I don't. And and I I, I yes, their 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 secondary is crap, and I understand that, but. Their front seven is dominant. If if Reddick figures out, you know what he did last year, I think he caused a lot of havoc. Um, and their front seven is pretty healthy, so I, I think they're gonna. The question is, could they could they put out enough offense, and could they run a ball run the ball against this Buccaneers defense? That's the question. But I think it, it's going to be hard for the Buccaneers to stop uh, the AJ Brown and, and Smith. And I think they'll find a way to, to put the ball in the end zone a couple of times. And, uh, Jalen Hurts will ride off into this, you know, well, he's not riding off anywhere, <laughs> but he just got a 200 and some million dollar contract, but he'll be riding off into the next, you know, divisional series. And we'll, we'll see what happens. I think the Eagles are a lot better than they've shown. So Nathan, thank you for joining us, bud. By the way, thank you guys for always having me on the show. And you guys are the best, Speedy and the Arrow, the dynamic duo. duo. Um, well, we can actually, only be dynamic if yeah. uh, Speedy does something for the fans to see on national radio. What do you think? Not happening. Speedy, uh, let's cut one of your Not ribs out. Not happening. We'll cut one of your ribs out like uh, you know Marilyn Manson, and you can do a lot of interesting things. God, I'm not doing anything like that. I think you could do it. I think you'd be an amazing person. Yeah, I'm sure you would. I mean, how, many, how many people that you know could do things to themselves on national radio. All right. Find the goth version of me that might do that. <laughs> well, but, you uh, can, we're dark next, things. We're, uh, we're working on guests. I mean, next Thursday, mm-hmm. we're having Lee Steinberg on the show next Thursday, uh, January 18th. Uh, one of the best sports agents to ever do it. Uh, author. Um, he was Patrick Mahomes. By the way, I think he was Patrick Mahomes agent during his draft, day, draft uh, thing. So, uh, we're looking forward to that, and then we're booking, trying to book more guests for upcoming uh, weeks. But uh, yeah, you you guys are the best. But keep up the great work, and uh, thank you again. Uh, I just want to read Carl's comments before you go, Nathan. Uh, he said, "Amazing insight. Former soccer players make good kickers." Wow, of course, Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> Who said that? Carl. Uh, <laughs> the same one that said you should take over for Pat McAfee. <laughs> that would be funny. Hey, um, Pat McAfee, me and uh, uh, me and Darius Butler. Pac-Man Jones. Hey, I we ha- I had Pac-Man Jones on the show already. So, do you want to scare people away? <laughs> yeah, I don't be an NFL referee or Pac-Man Jones might scream at you. <laughs> That's true too. That's true too. Anyways, Nith, thank you for uh, joining us, my friend. Thank you, Nithin, aka the NR Hour, the NR Hour, and I don't know if you have haven't checked that out. It's on Instagram. He he posts up all his stuff. Uh, Twitter, he's on Facebook, he's on every social media market. Uh, so check him out. The NR Hour. Oh man, what a show, man! I am tired. I, I, you know what? I'm on this show. I drink a lot of water. I drink a lot of water. That's this is the only time I drink water, guys. I, when I'm on the, on the show, if I'm not doing a radio show, I'm drinking something else. Speedy's drinking something else too, but I'm not going to say it on national radio because it might scare everybody away and never listen to the show again. So. Speedy uh, understands what protein is and how protein works for him. So that's all I'm going to say. But thank you to all the fans. Thank you to Al- Adam Silverstein, who joined us. Uh, our Adam Silverstein. <laughs> thank you to him, CBS Sports Radio, for letting us have him on the show. Uh, he is the editorial director. He's the head guy for CBS 
and their writing uh, for college football and uh, regular football, too. He, he puts some good stuff out there as well. Uh, thank you again to all the fans. Uh, I will be back on Wednesday. I will not be here for the weekend crunch. Uh, Josh Silverberg will be filling in for me with Speedy Petey, so enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm sure Josh will uh, throw a couple of curves at you that will probably make you scratch your head um, or scratch your balls. Right, Speedy? I don't know. Uh, how about you? Would you scratch your head or scratch your balls? My head. Why? What's wrong about scratching your balls? I'm not doing that in front of Josh. Well, nobody's going to see it. You have a table. Okay. How are they going to see you scratch your balls? I don't need public viewing. Well, nobody can see it. Not uh, them. Unless there's a camera Josh. under the table. You know, I should put a camera under the no, table. No, you shouldn't. You know it would be really, really no, funny? No, you should Put it on national radio, what people are doing under the table. Have you ever done anything crazy under the I'm table? I'm not doing anything under your table. Uh, it's not my table. It's your table. It's your table. No, it's your table. It's your table. It's your table. No, it's not. How is it my table? I don't even sit on that table. I didn't say you. But it's, it's your, your table. It's your facility, isn't it? Yes, but it's your table. No, it's not. That's your table. I'm not doing want. those kinds of things that you're thinking, metaphorically, I, I, whatever. I don't know what you're doing behind closed doors. You know, maybe uh, you know, sitting on chairs. You know, I, I don't know what you do under there, man. Whatever you do, congratulations. Good for you. I think for all the fans out there, and what is he saying? I will call next week, I guess. Definitely. I call next week and uh, way to hog the segment, Nathan. <laughs> I love Carl, man. And, uh, you know, Carl, I've been watching all your posts. Uh, we love you. And uh, call next week. We definitely would get into college football. I'm sure he has his own thoughts. Dogs and open doors for Speedy. Absolutely. Yes. I, I think Speedy just likes to tell the story about the open dog, the, the dog that opens the door, but I don't believe that. I think Speedy purposely wanted people to believe that the dog was opening the door. He probably just said, come here. Come here, Jack. Come here, Jack. I want to show you something, right? Yeah. You know <laughs> right? No. Well, the smell, you know? No. You say he likes to no. go very weird, different places. Yeah, he does. But that doesn't mean I would let him. Well, maybe. Maybe uh, it gives you that fun feeling. No. Of advancement. No. And love. No. And compassion. That's not the way he would do it to give me love. Well, licking. You no. Know, sticking is all a part of it. No. I'm just saying. Anyways, thank you to all the fans, as always. We love you guys. And uh, I'll be back next week with uh, the great Speedy Petey. Uh, Speedy, uh, make sure you take care of everything this weekend. And uh, um, hopefully I fly safe back and forth. I can only hope. And uh, I hope everybody prays for me because I, I hate going on planes. I, I'm not afraid of planes, but I hate going on planes, especially in the wintertime when you don't know what to expect. So anyway, I have no control. So I hate when I don't have any control. But thank you to all the fans. Uh, we'll be back next week. Good night, everybody. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.